When the movie Jaws first opened, it created a sensation. And shark sightings increased by the thousands. Now, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, the legend continues. Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. This is a bi-weekly show, and this is episode 177. This episode of Horror Movie Podcast is brought to you by our Movie Podcast Network patrons and our newest sponsor, which podcast enthusiasts will love, Stitcher Premium. We will tell you more about this great new platform later in the show. To get a free month of Stitcher Premium for 30 days, go to stitcherpremium.com and use promo code HMP. On Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie reviews for classics and new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. This is Gilman Joel Robertson, and my co-hosts are... Dave, Dr. Shockbacker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Wolfman Josh. I had a raft, but the sharks ate it. <laughs> Were they gentle when they bit into it? <laughs> By chance? <laughs> On this episode of Horror Movie Podcast, it's time for our annual Shark Attack, where we will talk about some terrors from the deep to chill your blood this summer. It's going to be a feeding frenzy as we feature review three shark flicks and the newest horror flick from Alexander Aja, Crawl. Love it. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's great. All, all of that and a bag of chips. So this is Shark Attack Part 3 for the longtime listeners out there. And every year we get the question, why aren't you guys talking about Jaws? Well, because we have talked about Jaws back on our Horror on the 4th of July episode, all the way back on episode 20 of Horror Movie Podcast. That was our feature review for Jaws. And uh, Shark Attack Part 1 is where we had Keone Bothorpe's horrifying campfire tale about the shark attack that he was involved with. And Shark Attack 2, we talked about Deep Blue Sea and the Meg were our feature reviews. Uh, we also talked about The Reef and 47 Meters Down. And, unfortunately, we just missed our chance at seeing Deep Blue Sea Part 2 back then. So I'm super excited that Dave is bringing to the table a review of that film tonight. Yes, he is. And I do, as a fan, as, as a longtime listener, first-time caller, Wolfman, I have to ask, I don't recall, did you guys ever review Jaws 2, 3, or 4? We have not. No, no. we did not. Okay. I, I, we did discuss Jaws 3 at some point, but I don't know what episode it was. I don't know if it was if it was this one. I remember, I remember going back and forth about Jaws 3. I don't think it was a feature review, though. I think it was just during, you know, Part of the discussion, banter. sure. Yeah. yeah, that Jaws 3 had come up. I don't think we actually reviewed the movie. 
Um, I think we'll, I, we have talked about doing a Jaws. Sorry, we have talked about doing a Jaws franchise review still at some point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I would love to. I would love to cover them. I will say, and I don't even feel like you have to be an apologist for it. I love Jaws two almost as much as I love Jaws one. Jaws Jaws is you know is a classic and it's amazing. But Jaws two, I remember on some level, and maybe it's because of the kid dynamic in it. When I was a kid, freaking me out the most. I mean, there's a few oh, moments in that movie that just terrified me as a kid. Yeah, I saw Jaws 2 first. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I saw the original, I saw it at a drive-in. I've said that probably a hundred times by now. But I saw Jaws 2 at a drive-in, and it was a, a great experience. But yeah, it scared. I was, what, I was eight years old. Wow. It scared the hell out of me. Yeah. When my brother was there. He was six. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know how it went over with him. But it scared the hell out of me. There are some scenes in that movie that, that do really freak me out. Yeah. And I feel like Jaws three, I have a fondness for Jaws three because it's some of my earliest movie memories. I didn't see it in the theater, but do you guys recall? And I'm pretty sure it was this show. There was a show that Leonard Nimoy hosted and this would have been very early eighties. And it was like a behind the scenes uh, of movie show. And I can't remember the name. There might be it was like lights, camera action, maybe something like that. Well, maybe I didn't know Leonard Nimoy. I know I knew in search of, I didn't know he did it. I feel like it was that. Nimoy and it was about, and I'm going purely off memory here. I, even though I have MDB in front of me, I'm not looking. I'm just, it's just pure memory. I remember them covering octopusy. They covered uh, uh, some of Jaws three. I seem to recall. And I also th- believe that was where I saw at the time had which it was unknown footage presumably because i and i'm pretty sure it was this show where they showed footage of uh the cut scene from star wars at the time it was just star wars not a new hope but where han meets mm-hmm. jabba but it was the guy who was wearing the furry vest before they cgi'd jabba the hut right. so i just right. remember it had these so as a little kid i mean i'm like six years old or whatever it is i'm seeing these images and they're just blowing my mind and they showed the shark encounter scene from jaws 3 and of course, SeaWorld is oh, is just that's where they shot. I believe some of that. I don't know if it was the SeaWorld here or the one in San Diego. Do you know, Josh, which one they shot? Uh, it's it's got to be the one there because I don't think San Diego has a shark encounter any underwater tubes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, <laughs> they made it look like it was a, this whole underwater city practically. But it, there is the shark encounter, and you know, and so as a kid, the idea of going there and actually being in that and realizing, you know, when the water's filling it up and just ah, uh, just that idea of being in a, in an enclosed space like that, which ties very nicely into a couple of movies we'll be covering uh, in this episode. Mm-hmm. But that idea is just horrifying to me. So I have a fondness for Jaws three, though I do acknowledge. It's ridiculous in a lot of ways. Jaws 4 is on a level unto itself. And it is the only one I ever saw in the theater. And I only saw the first 10 minutes because my dad took my sister and and me to see it. And within the first 10 minutes, without giving too many spoilers away, because I don't want to ruin, you know, Jaws 4 from 1987. But the character at the beginning that gets their demise... It kept uh, at the time. I didn't know this is what was going on, but I ended up working at the movie theater and then we, they would get these things called green prints where the prints were still wet, basically. And mm-hmm. from the chemicals, and so they would stick in, in the brain on the uh, on the platter system that they used. It, that's where they would get, you know, jacked up and then it would burn a hole in the film. And then the projection would have to run up and splice it together real fast and try to run it back through. Well, if it was a really bad green print, it's just going to keep doing that over and over again throughout that whole reel. And that's what happened. So we maybe made it through the first 10 minutes of that movie and every 30 seconds. <laughs> 
it would just oh, wow. jack up. So we, we got a rain wow. check, and and that's my only memory of seeing that because I don't think we ever went back to see that one. We used the rain check. Somebody for something was else. looking out for you that day. They really were because it was a probably when it came out of VHS that I rented it. And even as a kid who had such little, just it, I had no sense of cinema beyond like I just loved what I loved I had no like oh this is good this is bad I I go back and watch movies now and it's like what am I seeing then the movies that I watched it was they were all great right but even Mm -hmm. as a child I I feel like I knew that something was off and I couldn't (laughs) quite put my face it was either the roaring of the shark Mm -hmm. it was either that it was maybe Mario Van Peebles accent I don't know it was something uh Michael Caine. It just wasn't working. (laughs) Something. A shark following you after you've flown down to the keys or wherever they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember Cisco and Ebert's review of that was actually pretty funny. Ebert's like, the shark is like, uh, I'm going to get me a Brody if it's the last thing I do. (laughs) Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. That's good stuff. I did see Jaws 3 in the theater in 3D. Wow. As a matter of fact, with the the old, was it red and blue or red and green glasses? Yep, yep, yep. Um, that you always take off after an hour because you got a splitting headache. Sure. Uh, but I did see that one in the theater, uh, as well. And of course that was that when we had that window, right? Where was that one? You had Amityville 3d every third movie. Yeah. Friday the 13th part three. Yep. Yeah. So that was a, that was a good time to be alive, Dave. Well, I, I do believe, and we'll get into this. I'm sure one of the movies we're feature reviewing, wasn't it originally 3d? Do you, do you want to expand the conversation or do you want to jump right into the future reviews? I mean, I feel like it's the third year of doing shark stuff. So do you want to? So normally for the shark attack episodes, we spend some time discussing why are sharks scary? Why uh, do shark films still exist? Why, you know, why did have we transitioned into these overtly comedic shark movies in recent years? And we spent time talking about all of those concepts in our first two shark attack episodes. And I don't know that um, a lot has changed in the landscape to change that discussion enough to retread that ground. So rather than having a theme discussion this time, I think we're just going to jump right into our feature reviews. Sounds excellent. I do feel like there's some kind of moral obligation every year to remind people that humans kill far more sharks than the other way around. Um, (laughs) This is your HMP PSA. Yeah, because we, we spend a lot of time, you know, we love to buy into the fear. That's what horror fans like to do. I think we like to be scared. Uh, but, you know, if we're really looking at the reality of the situation, we're talking about, you know, less than a handful of humans die by shark attack each year, as opposed to millions of sharks dying by human hands every year to the point of near extinction uh, if we continue on the same path that we're on now. So, it's important that although we are demonizing these animals for the sake of our own uh, enjoyment when it comes to horror films, that we think about the realities of that situation in the real world. I just feel like I have to I have to say that or else I can't feel good about all the next several things I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and on that point of kind of public service announcement, I do want to talk about my buddy's documentary about shark conservation now, people, if you haven't heard that episode, you really have to go back and listen to Kaoni's shark attack story. It's crazy. I mean, uh, he basically, the short version is he was out surfing. He saw another surfer being taken down by a shark. And rather than swimming away, as everyone else on the beach did, he swam toward the shark attack, fought the shark, saved this guy's life. 
you would definitely be dead uh, without my buddy. And um, he tells that story on Shark Attack Part 1. So definitely worth a listen. That was was an amazing story. And since that time, he went on to actually make a shark conservation documentary, which is shocking that after that experience, uh, he still believes and is is right that um, humans are doing far more damage to sharks than vice versa. So he made this film. It's called Saving Jaws. It features a lady called Ocean Ramsey, who people refer to as the shark whisperer. She gets out and swims with these sharks, and it's part of bringing awareness to what she is, you know, considers to be the true nature of sharks. So um, that film is available on all streaming platforms as a rental. You can also buy the Blu-ray on I would rec- on Amazon. Um, it's not yet on Netflix because, um, the distributor wants to make a little bit of money before it goes to Netflix, but County himself is actually not even going to promote the film until it is available for free online because he doesn't care about making money off the film as much as he cares about, uh, promoting the message, um, in favor of sharks. So, um, he's himself not doing any promotion, but I did want to give it a shout out. And I was reminded this was not self-serving. I know people are going to think this. I actually honestly forgot to mention when we tweeted this out the other day uh, during his film's release that I make an appearance in the film. I completely forgot about that. I did help mm. work on it a little bit, but I I appeared as the host of Horror Movie Podcast initially. Um, we were going to try to get me and Jay in a studio together, but the timing didn't work out for Jay. Um, and we were going to talk about Jaws in the studio, but uh, timing didn't work out way back when, when we shot it. So instead of being uh, listed as one of the hosts of Horror Movie Podcast, he listed me as a filmmaker uh, in the credits. But um, it's nothing people on this show have probably ever heard before, but it, it is me talking about Jaws in a documentary. So if you want to check that out, that might be an additional reason uh, for our listeners to check out that documentary. Nice. That sounds excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Well, I guess the, the big question really is Josh, do we feel that watching movies like, I don't know, frenzy would make one feel inclined to go out and murder perhaps CGI sharks? Mm. A character certainly seemed happy about murdering sharks in that film, I will say. That's true. <laughs> there's, always, yes. there's always a lot of smiling and laughing going on anytime a shark died during that film. Yes, that is very true. <laughs> All right. Well, mm. you guys want to then move into Dave's feature review for Deep Blue Sea 2? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You know the idea that great whites are these malicious killing machines roving the shorelines looking for some swimmer to chomp on is just pure fiction. You know, anytime there is a human attack, stay calm! It's just a case of mistaken identity. Come on, you guys! You mind explaining to me what it is you're doing with bull sharks in containment? My company is one of the leading producers of intelligence enhancers that can actually alter the genetic structure of the brain. They're problem solving, learning how to learn, and they like it. Let me show you. We can all be gods. Or monsters. Deep Blue Sea 2 from 2018. Obviously a sequel to um, the movie we covered last year, Deep Blue Sea, which is a lot of fun. 
Deep Blue Sea 2 sort of picks up where the other one left off. Uh, there's a shark conservationist, Misty Calhoun, and she's invited to go out to this uh, facility in the middle of the ocean uh, that's owned by a pharmaceutical billionaire, Carl Durant. And her and a couple of uh, other neurobiologists are invited out there to, I guess, to observe. Because what Durant is doing is he is genetically altering the brains of five bull sharks. Not only making them smarter, but he even has this device that he gives to his one of his shark trainers. I, I don't know if it's if the guy's Trent. I can't remember what his name is. Who, you know, you hit this button and all of a sudden the sharks will turn around. They, they have been, they always swim in formation. There's five of them swimming in formation. Well, we come to find out that not only is Carl Durant enhancing, he's got this, this drug that enhances the brains of these sharks, but he's been taking it himself. So he's going a little bit crazy, we come to find out. Although we don't know that because we met him while he's already in full-on crazy mode. But everyone who works there said, yeah, he's been getting a little out of hand the last couple of months. Anyway, as you can imagine, things go very wrong. Not only are these sharks incredibly smart, they have a, a, an electric fence to keep them in. They find a way out of that fence, and that's how the movie starts, actually. But one of them is pregnant, and nobody knew it, and gives birth to a bunch of baby bull sharks. That seemed just as ferocious as, as mama. So all hell breaks loose in the uh, lab. And just like in Deep Blue Sea, this facility starts to flood. The sharks get free reign. And we'll leave it there. So Deep Blue Sea 2, it, it starts off pretty strong. I like the opening scene. And, and you kind of know what's coming because they introduce this ship in the ocean it says illegal shark finning operation is these these two guys uh, are out there uh, catching sharks and slicing off the fins illegally once you get illegal in the text introducing something you kind of know where it's going to go that maybe they're not going to be around that long I'm not going to give away spoilers but it is the first 10 minutes of the movie and this is when we find out that these five bull sharks escaped we find out they're bull sharks because when Misty Calhoun is teaching a class toward the beginning of the film, she talks about how she swam, swam, she swims with a variety of different species. And one of the students asks, is there one species you won't swim with? And she goes, oh, yes, bull sharks. I do not swim with bull sharks. And I said, OK, well, those five sharks must be bull sharks. And of course they were. That said, though, <laughs> this movie is. It, it's got some it's got some fun moments in it. It really does. And I like the opening scene. I liked some of the buildup in it as well when, you know, when they're dealing with these sharks. Some of it is telegraphed. You know, one of the things I liked about Deep Blue Sea is there's a couple scenes that just shocked the hell out of you in that movie. And I thought that was great. They try it with Deep Blue Sea 2, but they telegraph it a little bit. So they're not quite as surprising as they were in the first movie. Also, when it gets down to the baby sharks, there's a whole section of the film where they're focusing on these baby sharks. And it just doesn't work as well as the five massive bull sharks for me. Because it's almost like piranha. These things are swimming around and taking bites and, and of course, devouring pretty quickly. 
But there's a scene where one guy is uh, hanging from a pipe, and these things are jumping out of the water to get him, and it looks more humorous than it does actually frightening. So I didn't wasn't really buying into the baby sharks as much. I thought the movie, you know, the, the acting was pretty decent. The pharmaceutical billionaire uh, is going to be the villain, no matter what you do in, in these kind of movies, and that ha is how it plays out. But I did like the movie overall. I thought it was fun. It's, it's definitely not Deep Blue Sea, which I am a fan of. A big fan of, actually. I really like Deep Blue Sea. Wow. It's not quite on that level. But it's not so far off either. It's, it's got some entertaining moments in it. And, but you have to really be bought into Deep Blue Sea to enjoy this one because it's not it's not as good it's not on that same level now if you were not a fan of deep blue sea then yeah don't even bother with deep blue sea too because it's inferior hmm. to that hmm. uh but i liked it i would and and the of course it's cgi and of course there are times you can tell but you can't always tell there some of it looks pretty good uh, yeah <laughs> some of it looks pretty good <laughs> Were you re were you reconsidering? <laughs> yeah, well, no, because it's CGI and Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, I mean that was what ninety nine. It's terrible. And, it's some of the worst yeah. CGI I've ever seen. Now, yeah, it was it, probably breakthrough at the time. But the mm -hmm. crazy thing about that movie, and of course, we talked about this last year in our shark episode, is that the animatronic shark that they made looked amazing in that. Like I thought it was right. a real shark, and then uh, they go to the CGI shark, and it's just like, whoa, that looks like a. 90s video game yeah, yeah exactly yes it did and i this these do look better because the technology is better but i don't know that they look that much better i mean there are some scenes especially with the baby sharks i i i want to break into that damn song every time i say baby shark <laughs> oh please with, don't with these no <laughs> please trust don't. me I, I won't my my wife teaches daycare i hear that thing way more often yeah, this is this is a horror podcast day but there's only so yes, much we can take only okay. so much horror that the audience can take uh <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I was, I was entertained by this movie. How much of it is because, which uh, for a reason we'll get into later, I can't say because I followed one up <laughs> right after another. Uh, but I did, I had fun. I, I had fun with portions of this movie while realizing it's not as strong. And I don't even remember what I gave Deep Blue Sea last year. You gave probably... Deep Blue Sea a... Oh, do you want me to tell you or no? Yeah, please. You gave Deep Blue Sea a seven. Oh, okay, good, because I'm not up that high with this one. I was teetering with 5.5, but I think I'll go with six. And I'll say it's it's worth a... It's not a high-priority rental, but it's worth a it's worth a rental. If you are a fan, if you liked Deep Blue Sea, there's enough here to keep you entertained. But it's not as strong. It's just not as strong a movie. The characters aren't bad. And like I said, the acting isn't, isn't terrible. It's just some of the decisions they make, like I said, with the baby sharks and so forth, it just, eh, that sort of, those instances didn't, didn't really work. But yeah, I, I'd give it a, I'd give it a, I'm going to give it a six. It's generous. I probably should give it a 5.5, but I'm going to give it a six. So what if I gave the original Deep Blue Sea a 5.5? I see. I well, see I your would, six. I would say, I would say don't, don't bother watching Deep Blue Sea 2. <laughs> this sounds more interesting to me, honestly. I, you know, that's funny. Well, I will, I will say that I am actually, I remember seeing Deep Blue Sea in the theater. I loved it at the time. I do recall even then, you know, because of me being a big 
practical effects fan, I, I remember that was when, you know, we were really starting to get everything had to be CGI, right? Everything. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, like you said, there's that one moment where they had the animatronic shark. But other than that, it's everything CGI. But as a movie, it was just a lot of fun. And I just remember really enjoying it. I do want to note that it's this one is, I guess, was it a TV movie? Because it says teleplay for the screenwriting credits. I don't know if it may have been. I'm wondering if if this was also an asylum film. Yeah, it doesn't say if asylum produced it in what I'm looking at, but it says teleplay. Now, I did want to mention, though, it was directed by Darren Scott. And as when I saw his name, it looked familiar because the spelling of Darren is a little unusual. You know, it's D-A-R-I-N Scott. And the reason why his name rang a bell to me is he was a producer on Stepfather 2 from 1989, directed by Jeff Burr, From a Whisper to a Scream, which is the anthology film that Jeff Burr, his directorial debut, and another movie by Rusty Cundiup that I'm pretty sure is the reason why I recognize his name, which is Tales from the Hood, which I love. I love Tales from the Hood. Tales from the Hood, nice. Yeah, I mean, he's got some pretty strong credits Wow. as a producer, so that's pretty cool. This isn't going to rank as one of his best, but it's certainly not going to rank um, without having seen his filmography uh, as one of his worst either, I'm guessing. So Sure. He looks yeah. like most of the stuff he's directed has been more on maybe like the straight to video TV movie area. Yeah, it was this this was this was straight to video. This was a direct to video uh, released Deep Blue Sea 2. OK. OK. Yeah. But I just his producing credits are impressive. So pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave, did you say whether you would recommend people rent or buy? I, I said rent. OK. Um, not a high priority rental. But if you like Deep Blue Sea it's worth watching. It's not going to impress you as much. Um, and if you were not a fan of deep blue sea, then yeah, don't even bother because it's not quite on that, on that same level, but it's striving and it does hit some of the same beats, obviously the setting, um, what they're doing there with the drugs to enhance the sharks. Uh, and even some of the more, you know, horror centric themed uh, horror centric scenes, are there a lot of uh, allusions to the original film? No, actually there aren't. Uh, not, not really. No, not, not the, I'm trying to think if there were any, if this just sort of exists in a, the same sort of setting. I don't mm-hmm. think they ever really referred back to the original film. I think it's, it's more of a, a sequel in spirit, you know, Samuel Jackson's arm doesn't show up. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. No, okay. it doesn't. And and who is that? Uh, is that Stellan Skarsgård in the uh, on the stretcher? Yes, yes. No, he's not floating out there. Either. Okay, okay. All right. So you, I guess that wraps up Doctor Shock's feature review of Deep Blue Sea Two from 2018. And now let us go into our feature review of Frenzy from 2018. I'm Paige Lewis, and if you're into seeing the world, join me and my like-minded band of adventure seekers as we travel in search of new thrills more amazing than you can ever imagine. And what? Today, we take you for the dive of a lifetime. Are you ready? <laughs> Hold on to something! Oh, God. Swim! What are we gonna do? We gotta kill those sharks. 
distress call. Be careful out there. There are sharks in the water. Okay, so Frenzy is a 2018 TV movie, I believe, by the Sci-Fi Channel, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Sci-Fi Original, according sci-fi, to the opening yeah. credits. Yes, yes. Uh, just to make everyone aware of this, the only way I was able to get a copy was to download the NBC app on my Amazon Fire Stick. And since we're cord cutters, don't have cable, I had to create an account to get three free episodes, which free equals 18 commercials every seven minutes <laughs> so and randomly not, there's there's no rhyme or reason to how the commercials are put in there just sort of in the middle of something wham commercials so uh if you want to see it that is how you do it or you buy it like uh like like some people well we'll get there we'll get there so this is a this is a summary of frenzy <clears throat> good luck to me i'm gonna i'm gonna cheat a little bit and use the imdb one and kind of branch off from there so it is about a group of friends who run a popular travel vlog that helps them to fund their excursions. You know, this is how they get their money. So you got these two sisters, Paige and Lindsay, and uh, Lindsay's boyfriend is part of the crew. His name is Seb. And along with their camera person, and uh, I'm guessing she's more of a producer, uh, her name's Kahaya, I think is how they pronounce it. Uh, anyway, and Evan is the, is the camera person. They together are chartering this little plane to go out to this, I, I don't know how you would describe it, Broccoli Rock, uh, yes. uh, uh, miniature from the movie Avatar. I honestly thought the Navi at any point were going to show up. Right. I wasn't quite sure because uh, it had from a distance, it looked like something out of Avatar. And they Those are quite common in the Pacific. They're like a okay. kind of rock garden. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I stand corrected then. So there it is. The, the, People will uh, oftentimes kayak through those areas. Okay. They're very picturesque. Yes. I mean, it, it's a, it's a cool, <laughs> it's a cool thing that just is sitting there. And so that's where they're going. Well, they charter this little plane. And even though the pilot gives them a warning that what they're doing is very dangerous, they do not heed the warning. And as a result, the plane crashes and they soon find themselves in the fight of their life, especially young Lindsay, the young sister, the one who, as she discovers, was just clickbait. And I guess another kind of bait. She has to dig deep within and prove that she has what it takes to survive the frenzy. Mm. I feel like that's a good, as good as it gets, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I am not going to expose who wrote this review, but I wanted to just kind of set this a whole thing up here. As a rule, I don't, this is, I'm reading the review. I probably should state that first. As a rule, I don't usually do this, but I'm watching Frenzy now, and I just had to pause it to shoot off this message. In a word, wow, what an incredible film. On the same level as Jaws, hell, it may be better than Jaws. And that lead actress, am I watching Meryl Streep here? She's amazing. You can always tell exactly what she's thinking. <laughs> Hold on. I can't do it. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, sorry, Josh, you have some editing to do. <clears throat> this is awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Okay. <clears throat> she's amazing. <laughs> Fuck. 
<laughs> yeah. I think I was only halfway through it at that point. I know, I can't get any further. Uh, uh, you can always I, tell exactly what she's thinking. And as female heroes go, she's right up there with Ripley and Sarah Connor. And the dialogue. Don't get me started on how crisp and original the dialogue is. Man, if I didn't know any better, I'd say David Mamet penned the script. <laughs> and this is the punchline. <laughs> also, in other news, I had a lobotomy. <laughs> I had a lobotomy this morning. <laughs> When, uh, when I got that text, uh, I laughed just like I did now. Oh, my God. Yeah. I won't expose who wrote that eloquent and insightful review. <laughs> oh, hmm. boy. That. Um, <laughs> I don't even yeah, know what this, to say about this movie. Yeah. This movie is, uh, you know, you, you try not to get too snarky, but. This is brutal. I mean, this this thing was just terrible. Uh, from you, you didn't know what these people were were even really doing. That the show they were putting on the the romance just came out of nowhere. It's like, hey, let's put these these two together and they'll be in love. But aside from that, they're they're going out into you know into the, into the ocean. There are these travelogue adventurers, whatever the hell they are, and obviously things go very wrong. <laughs> but uh, the, the way that the characters are interacting with each other, yes, the lead actress, you never know. You can't tell if she's scared, brave, angry. You have no clue. There is no range of emotions here. Well, I will, I will, I'm going to come to her and I think the cast defense because I will say this I don't know how you can expect anybody. Under, see, here's a question I have, and I all all joking aside, and I've, I've regained my composure at least for the moment. I the thing that struck me was I wasn't. Is this meant to be a kind of goofy, tongue in cheek, over the top shark movie, or is it meant to be taken serious? See, I thought that the tone of it was very like they were treating it very serious, which is fine, and then maybe that's the genius of it, right? It's played totally straight. But what the things that happen and it's like I, I want to even I'm going to try not to spoil it, but there are moments in this movie where the characters do things to stop the sharks that honestly, I believe it was you, Dave, that they use the Looney Tunes comparison that is just it's it literally is something you would see Wiley Coyote do to the right. Roadrunner. Yeah, it is, and and it's got to be a joke. The beginning of the film, I thought, well, this is not great. It's it was. I've seen a lot of movies on this level, though. I'm a horror fan. I've uh -huh. taken a chance on a lot of indie horror films and and sci-fi films, and it wasn't that bad. I my biggest annoyance was, you know, I know a lot of people who make their living off of YouTube and Instagram and and that kind of thing, and it always is weird to me when a film features characters like them. And gets it so wrong. It's like you work in media. How are you not more familiar with the types of cameras and the types of gear and shots they would need? And like, this feels like someone wrote this who never had no understanding of how like a YouTube channel was produced or how sharks react or how physics works. <laughs> that yes. was going to be my next. <laughs> that was going to be my next thing. As they got a little bit further into the film, there's there's some characters sitting in a raft. Nah, not too not too deep into the film and i just thought 
this person's never been in the ocean before. Whoever wrote this has no idea what they're talking about. This is so bizarre in the context of these characters. Did someone write this? Who you know, it, it's interesting to decide to write a shark movie with seemingly little to no experience of the ocean or sharks, right? Or anything and like. I, I gotta say, I was I was laughing a little bit when when the lead actress was swimming because she was swimming like a five year old having his first swim lesson, just slamming the arms into the water. This yeah, character was, has to was... swim for it a couple times, and so right. for a character who's swimming so poorly. Yeah, there's a moment in this movie where a character shoots off a flare and there's nobody around to see it and they know there's nobody. I learned that. Yeah, that's the thing. I learned something watching this movie. You don't have to wait for help to be in the area to shoot off a flare. You don't You shoot off a flare and, and help will come. And it'll come. That's right. Because they go, they go, they hang there for a couple days, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is not. This is a bit of a spoiler, but it's very early on in the film. This is one of the first shark encounters. And there's one character in the water and another character on a boat. And the character says, how far away are they? Oh, I know. And the other character says, 20 feet. That was amazing. And then they're closing yeah. in. 10 feet. feet. Yeah. <laughs> and the character in the water goes, one, two. Not looking at, at the sharks. She's timing it. Taking the other person's word for it. <laughs> Right, yes. exactly. And they were one, two, three, <laughs> and then dunks themselves under three giant great white sharks. Yes, as, yes, uh, yep, yep. And that's the first moment where I kind of really agreed with the Joel saying, where like this is stretching incredulity. Like, what, <laughs> what, right. like up until this point, I'm thinking this movie is trying to take itself very seriously, but that's the kind of yes. scene that would be in a totally tongue in cheek, over the top, jokey comedy horror film. And so, I if I found out from the filmmakers and they were like, "Look, that was the intention. It was meant to be. This can't be." Or I love that kind of stuff. I'm fine with that. The problem is, I watched it the whole time thinking. If this is a joke, man, they are deadpan. I mean, this is, yeah. it feels like there is a true intent to sell this as real drama. And the things that are happening to these characters and the way they're reacting, you know, as best they can with the material they're dealing with. I just, the things that they do and the choices they make and the, all of the, it is Actually, honestly, it is a textbook example. If you're somebody who is an aspiring screenwriter or a novelist or any storyteller, and just to watch how when you write something where you know what you want the plot to do and you are going to shoehorn everything into that so that the the plot devices can get hit. Because it, it is so transparent and obvious that... I mean, I was laughing and I, and I, and I don't yeah. look, I'm not the kind of person that I, I do like MST3K every movie I want. I don't like doing that. Actually. I, no. I enjoy trying to find those things in, because I mean, there were, I mean, I, I gave them props that they shot a lot of this apparently on the ocean. That could not have been easy. I mean that, you know, right. especially for a low, I'm assuming it was a low budget and that had to be very difficult, but yeah, I saw that they shot the whole film in 12 days and they had to rewrite the script on location due to, you know, location difficulties and stuff, but still. Yeah. Oh, I feel like too that, and you know, it could have been one of those things where they were, it was, this was dictated to them by the powers that be and they had no choice, but under those circumstances and those restraints, if you were trying to do it as a serious movie, 
and you and you got CGI is the only option, then just show shadows, just show glimpses. Don't actually have the sharks erupt from the water. And you, I mean, you made that comment earlier about Deep Blue Sea looking like some kind of bad 90s level video yeah. graphics. I mean, it was astonishing yeah. the level. And 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 I'm pretty sure they they pulled a Jaws to the revenge. This is why I was thinking, he can't be, because I think they growled a couple times. <laughs> they, they did like the electric slide bump into these things to, to knock. Yes, yeah, they would bump into things. You didn't have to show that. Just see the boat shake. Okay, we assume it's the shark yeah. underneath. Yeah. You don't have to show them going up and doing a little hip bump no. to these boats. Because it's just goofy. I mean, anybody, anybody who tells me ever again, because I've heard it, this is mostly from younger viewers of the movie that didn't maybe grow up with it. Uh, I've heard occasionally people poo-pooing the original Jaws and Bruce the Shark and the quality of that effect. Okay. And I get, I grew up with it. I saw it from a very young age. So to this day, it still affects me. But give me that any day of the week. Over what we get here. Yes. Any day of the week, you cannot begin to tell me that that shark in Jaws doesn't look a million percent better. And even though it wasn't great, Spielberg understood that's why you don't show it that much. You know, right. shadow and in, in, in form and in, in just suggest it. And they could have done that. And that's I go back to if this had been a intentionally serious type movie that's the kind of thing that could have really made the difference honestly i mean i think the story and the beats and the loud i mean there was a lot of things that would have been really rough about it but i think that just changing up a few little elements like that it could have been like okay it was a fun campy kind of movie but it just the things that happen and it's not even enough to say, oh, you don't care about the characters. I mean, okay. I mean, you know, to your guys' point, I mean, there's a lot of movies that the whole point is, right, you just, these people are cannon fodder. The whole point is to have them get attacked. But there's never even any real suspense that we just kind of immediately have people getting eaten. And it just, it doesn't feel emotionally like there's any consequence. There's no connection. Yeah, yeah no connection. No, no connection to any of them. I agree. But even, even... What got me with the dialogue, I think the first time I talked back to the screen in the movie uh, was early on. And, and I was I was realizing, like, Josh said, OK, this isn't great. Uh, but you hold out hope just because you don't know what's going to happen. And there's a scene where these two characters are, are on the raft and and the one says to the other, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't have been part of this group. You're not really one of us. You're not an adventurer. And I'm talking two minutes later, she's like, I think I was wrong about you. And I said, why? Because she's whittling wood. <laughs> <laughs> well, or more to the point, I actually think I may have talked to the screen at that point, too. And I said, why we under the circumstances of everything that's just happened and who that the character you're talking to, the, the people she just lost or think she lost and you. This could be like the complete life or death here. Why would you tell her this stuff? Like, yeah, that's why true. why might, then would you say two of you there you might need her yeah <laughs> <sighs> i i don't know i don't i i don't get a lot of the decisions that most of these characters made throughout the movie maybe i don't know pull on the motor of what appears to be a brand new yacht practically a couple more times maybe just to give it a shot <laughs> right right <laughs> i'm also fairly confident i get when you're in that little raft that you know that's a bad thing but that boat was big enough i feel like you probably could have just hung out there right for a while anyway yeah and if the sharks were as aggressive 
to the one craft as they were to the earlier raft, the movie right. would have ended a lot earlier. Yeah, and yeah, right. yes, yeah, that was it. Yeah, they that that was always interesting. These are these are giant sharks, you know, chomping people in half, but they just sort of faintly hit that raft just enough so it's slowly losing air, and the person has enough time to get to that Gilligan's Island raft that the Marines, uh, the Marine biologists put out in the middle of the ocean. There, I thought that was it reminded me of a, of a very similar scene in humanoids from the deep where this this these the, the creatures are swiping at guys and taking their sides off where you see their rib cage and they're dead but going up to a uh, woman in a bikini and just dink, just slightly pulling that bikini top off that's roger corman mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. that was to sell tickets and and that's why that happened but these things, th- these sharks were powerful enough to, to bite people in half, but they're just going to bite, bite this raft, eh, just give it a little love, little love bite, little love nibble, just so <laughs> it's losing air very slowly. A <laughs> love nibble. <laughs> uh, I don't know how else to describe uh, Yeah. I, I feel very, I can't be honest with you, I'm conflicted because I feel I, there almost are two different ratings needed here. One is if this is meant to be the campy, goofy over the top thing that I took it as and I tell people to watch it as such I feel it's still a relatively low rating but it's probably higher than if oh no this is meant to be serious on any level so I think that's probably my only conflict when it comes to rating this thing but I guess are you guys ready to jump into uh, ratings and recommendations for friends I, I, I guess so but if but see and I was wondering the same thing as you guys I'm thinking wow this could be this could be a comedy this could be like Batman the old TV show where no one's filling in that it's a comedy because there's no laugh track sure but maybe this is like really campy and that's what they're going for but then you get that final scene. Of, of where it gets all like dramatic music and somebody talking to the uh, saying the most ridiculous things uh, about uh, uh, and and you're just like no this this it's 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 not they're really going for something here and, and like josh was saying and clearly people who don't have a clue you like dave i have a feeling you may even be lower than me i could be wrong but okay do you want to go first yeah i'll go first okay i'm giving it a I'll give it a 2.5 and say it's an avoid. Whoa. I was correct. I did go higher. I went, okay. I went 3.5. All right. And I say it's an avoid unless you go in, whether it was intentional or not, and do one. Of, and, and again, it's not about being, you know, necessary. I, I have occasionally, I know it's shocking to learn, been accused of being a little snarky when it comes to certain things. But I feel that... In this scenario, if the intention was camp, if the intention was meant, if you go in with sort of that mindset, you could have a really good time. I think this mm-hmm. could be a fun movie. Watch it with a few friends, that kind of thing. I did have a good, I didn't have a bad time, but it was for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, that's true. I was, I was entertained. I was, I didn't like go, okay, I'm checking my watch. And I, I was more flabbergasted, mouth agape. Did that really just happen? Did, yeah. did you know? That Wiley e. Coyote move actually work, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, right. but yeah, but I, so I'd say it's it's in principle an avoid, but possibly a low priority rental if this is your cup of tea. I think we're going to give this thing a lot of business, to be honest with you, <laughs> just from what we've been talking about here. <laughs> Probably early. Like, I got to see this. So Wolfman, what you got? What's what's the damage? Six point five. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, I, and I agree with you, Joel. I think. 
For me, the biggest problem the movie has is balancing tone because I don't think that the shark the shark moments are stupid, but they're not stupider than most shark movies that I've seen recently, including I will say Deep Blue Sea has some really stupid shark moments in it. And I just think, you know, it's that's the kind of movie you're signing up for to some degree. Now I thought based on the poster, based on the trailer, that this was going to be maybe closer to something like The Reef or The mm-hmm. Shallows. Yes, that's what I was thinking, too. Yes. You know, and so this was at a much lower quality. And I think um, if they intended it to be campy, they definitely succeeded on all the action beats, but they really failed in setting that up, the audience expectation for that. So I think that's the film's actual biggest weakness is just not knowing how to balance tone in that way, um, which is unfortunate. I didn't love this movie. I also, I, I had a really big problem with the framing device of the kind of vlogger world. As I mentioned, I think that just was not done very well. And I, I think that could have made for a really fun found footage type film, which is what I thought I was getting based on the trailer. So a uh, little bit disappointed there. I was hoping it was going to have that found footage element to it as well. And so, yeah, for me, I'm going to give this one a 4.5, and I'm going to say a very low priority rental. Mm. With no caveats? <laughs> <laughs> Don't buy it. Only an idiot would buy this movie. <laughs> By the way, then cut to Dave sends a picture of himself holding. <laughs> I bought the Blu-ray because I said, I'll be damned if I'm going to pay $4.99 for an online rental. I want to pay $15 for that. That's beautiful. Should we say for this episode, Dave conveniently has a giveaway. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) And not only did it come with a Blu-ray, but a DVD copy. I got two copies. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. One of Dave's several texts I get. I'm... (laughs) I love these so much. I'm going to like pick pictures of these and save them uh, for all of time. Okay. He says, I have to stop texting. I'm missing some big stuff here. I think I sure just got hit in the head with a rock. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I was missing it. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Here, here it is. He says, ah. <laughs> the characters were dumb, but I think I'm dumber. <laughs> Cut to picture of the blu-ray of frenzy in dave's hand yeah <laughs> and i did ask him i said are there any extras i'm not joking had there been i would have bought it no there, there were none <laughs> it's it's echo bridge it's echo bridge what like a commentary yes i i want to know well here's what we were thinking and I, that would have been cool it would have actually yes i would have yes. listened, to that. I yeah, totally I listened, listened to that look it's and look and, and, and god forbid if anybody who is behind this movie is actually hears this at some point i'm always loathe to just be like bagging on something. Yeah. Cause look, people worked hard on this. I, I don't care what uh, how a movie turns yeah. out. People work. And we know that, you know what I mean? I mean, Josh more than any of us knows <laughs> that it, it takes a lot of work and effort to put anything out into the world. And honestly, it takes guts to do things to put, you know, it, it doesn't matter what, but I guess it just comes down to the fact that some things work and some don't. Right. And I love, and I do love shark movies, and I always hope to get a good one. I really do. Every time I watch one, I hope, yeah, well, hopefully this will be a good one. And and part of my Deep Blue Sea two was I watched it right after Frenzy, 
So if you do see Deep Blue C2 and you're wondering what the hell was I smoking, remember I saw it right after French. <laughs> yeah, and wait, wait till you get to, to the next review because that's the situation for me. All right. Speaking of, would you guys like to go into, uh, now that we've wrapped up the, the frenzy over frenzy, would you like to go into the feature review for Bait 3D from 2012? Let's do it. You know that knot in your gut? feeling in the air, that voice in your head, don't ignore it, sometimes it's the only warning you'll get. Get out that way! Oh my god. What's that? Where is he, Josh? Get everyone out of the water. Out of the water! Now! Please help me! Help me! There's a 12 foot great white shark in here. Okay, Bait is a 2012 film. It's Australian. It's directed by Kimball Rendell. And this film stars a veritable who's who of Australian cinema from Xavier Samuel to Julian McMahon, Dan Wiley, Phoebe Tonkin, Lincoln Lewis, Alex Russell. Uh, these aren't huge names for the U.S., uh, although for television viewers, they may well be. Oh, for sure. McMahon, uh, especially. McMahon was on Nip Tuck and Charmed, uh, very well known for both of those shows. Then he's also Victor Von Doom yep. in the yep. Fantastic Four films, of course. Um, Xavier Samuel is probably best known to the world for his participation in the Twilight series. Uh, but he was also in Fury, um, the Tank movie, which I really enjoyed. Um, and he was in Frankenstein. He played Adam in uh, the Frankenstein film that Dave and I reviewed with Jay. And of course, probably best known to horror fans for his role in friend of the show, Sean Burns first film, the loved ones, which he was really excellent. In. Yes. Yeah. He did a great job in that movie, uh, but he's like a superstar, I think due to the twilight franchise. And a lot of these actors have done a lot of work. They're, they're people who would be very recognizable to Australians. I, I'm assuming as some of their bigger exports. Um, and you know, even just general audiences, I know Alex Russell was immediately recognizable to me, although I couldn't put my finger on what I'd seen him in. He was in the remake of Carrie as well as in Chronicle. So these are actors who have all done a lot of work. And uh, the story is actually kind of similar to Sharknado, if I'm, if I'm being honest. And this came out, I believe, the year before Sharknado. So I am curious to ask the director if this was in any way 
an influence on Sharknado. But basically what you have here is a tsunami hitting a coastal Australian town and washing at least one great white shark into this flooded grocery store along with some people who find themselves trapped in this grocery store. And it's a really great concept for a film, I think. It's a, it's a really fun setting, uh, you know, and a really fun conceit. And I think its biggest problems for me are also just wh- how it's stretching credulity because you have a shark not only with a grocery store full of food, and we're talking like big racks of ribs and, and meat all over the place, but also a lot of floating bodies uh, left from the disaster of the tsunami and still these sharks are eating way more than a shark would <laughs> normally want to eat you've got a, a pretty large cast here it's like a dozen people a dozen main characters um, in this grocery store kind of trying to figure out how to get out of the situation they're in other than that though i thought it, i thought it was a lot of fun and there's some bad cgi i think the first opening scene of this movie really started me out on a bad foot i thought oh no this is this is going to be bad, um, but I thought it got a lot better once we were in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, if it has the feeling of a sci-fi style B movie to some degree, except for the fact they clearly had to build some massive water sets for for this film. There are two sets. There's the grocery store and the parking garage, and they have it filled to you know very high with water it's a working set and so uh they must have spent quite a bundle producing this film um but it, you know it still has that kind of schlocky b movie vibe for a lot of it and i thought it was a lot of fun it actually reminded me kind of like a 90s action movie we might mm-hmm. have had in the united states like a collateral damage or Remember daylight? daylight exactly yes that's, i love daylight that's a perfect example yes i did not like mm-hmm. that movie i love this is this is where the audience gets to find out how different wolfman josh and go man <laughs> joel are because i love that movie that's funny <laughs> no yeah i hate that movie but <laughs> <laughs> but this is so, somewhat similar you know and it has that kind of vibe and the, again this is filled with a lot of ridiculous moments but they handle although as i sorry i was getting to the CGI shark that's used in the film, uh, you know, kind of obviously in that first scene and then also toward the end of the movie, there's some bad CGI. But I would say most of the time in the middle, they handle it really well. Yes. And it, you are just getting glances. There's a really great shot where a shark is going behind some characters that I thought, man, that looks freaky. It's perfectly yes, done. I know exactly what you're talking about. That was fantastic. Yeah, and, and I think the other than that, the film for me only really struggled with some pretty unlikable characters. But for the most part, I really enjoyed this cast and and this film. Yeah, Dave, do you want to jump in on a couple of those points? Or I really enjoyed the premise as well of of being in that um, supermarket and just what do you do uh, and what some of the characters came up with. There's there's one scene involving uh, somebody. It's almost wearing a, a makeshift shark cage mm-hmm. that it's it was clever it was clever yeah. it was clever and you know it, it's it's very dramatic at one point i was i always kind of re- what i remember most about it, I, I reviewed this on the blog years ago but one thing that always stuck with me is there's, there's a scene where a, a girl this this young girl is trying to help a guy up 
uh, you know, help grabs his arm to help him up. And then the next thing you know, that's all she's got is mm-hmm. his arm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, that one always kind of stuck with me. And in the, the scenes in the parking garage, mm-hmm. it's funny. I had forgotten some of those. But one of the things this does is it really does build that after effect of the tsunami. I mean, not only are these people dealing with sharks, they're dealing with a very grisly scene. I mean, there mm-hmm. are dead bodies all around them and they are mangled mm-hmm. and they are nasty. Mm-hmm. And they've got to overcome that to, to go with to fight the shark. And I remember that being really disturbing. I mean, this this is what you're seeing floating in the water and what the one guy was seeing down in that parking garage. Mm-hmm. This is if if there wasn't a shark, you're coming out of this thing scarred no matter what. Oh from, yeah. From what from what you're dealing with, just from what you have to deal with, just to get out of there and and with the sharks there just to survive. Sure. What, what you're surrounded by. Sure. Yeah. It, it, I I'm gonna say, and it may be somewhat colored by the fact that I watched Frenzy the night before, and my wife, who also loves a wonderful, awesome shark movie. I, I might have felt like I let her down the first day. So I wanted to make sure we followed it up. We watched this. We both absolutely loved this movie. I Look, I know it's not perfect. I know, it, Josh, I can't really argue with a lot of your points. I, although I will say, I didn't find all... I mean, there was a few of the characters I found likable. I mean, I like the lead. Um, I, I like the way they set up his, at the beginning, rather than doing a series of flashbacks. We got that opening moment. And yes, the shark might have looked cheesy there at the beginning. I felt like the way that whole sequence was handled and what happens to him, it helps set up the situation he's in. Now, of course, the level to which things get in the store pre-tsunami hitting with the drama might be on the over-the-top side, I will grant you. But... It's still, I, I just felt like the whole thing in wonderful B-movie fashion, I mean, when the, when the tsunami hits, to Dave's point about how grisly things are, I mean, you got like a, what looked like a propeller blade just smacks somebody right in the face and just buries like four inches into their face. I mean, right. I was, that was the thing that surprised me because I thought it had a, it had like a really, really well done TV movie vibe. The budget on this thing was like 30 million bucks. So this was a big Relatively speaking, I mean, it's an Australian production and it's a pretty big production. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, what Josh was saying about all these sets, I mean, you can see the money is on screen for a lot of it. The only times is that this was now this was uh, 2012. Okay, so I'm not saying that by 2012, we didn't have halfway decent CGI in some things. Of course we did. But at a 30 million dollar budget, you know, even though that's higher than a lot of low budget movies, it's still on the lowish side. And they i think the only times that i didn't like the cgi were a couple of shark shots and at the very very end that you get a reveal of the landscape let's just say and the further away you get the better it looked and i'm always struck by in those moments would it really have been more expensive and difficult to just go with the old-fashioned matte painting I feel like in those kind of shots that, you know, just a good old fashioned matte painting would have just been as good, if not better, to convey what they were trying to convey. Or could they not have just seen the renders on those helicopters and been like, no, those look bad. Yeah. Just take the helicopters yeah, take a, out. Yeah, or that. Yes. Or, you know, it'd be right. easy. Let's get a shot of the ocean from any stock footage place anywhere yes, instead and, of having a cartoon ocean. Yes. And that you know, I, and, <laughs> and I cannot argue. I feel like it could have ended 
pre that those final shots, like, it didn't need that. I, I know they were trying, they were trying to get the scale of, and I get it, but I, I do think that that took away a bit from it. But as far as the story goes and just, it is the kind of movie where they give just enough about these characters to Josh's point. Some of them are downright unlikable. They're meant, I guess, more for comedy, comedic relief and the, but there's still enough things going on. And when stuff gets intense, it gets pretty intense and it's pretty graphic and the gore is pretty heavy. I mean, it was it really surprised me. I thought this was going to be more on a TV movie level. And when certain things happen, you're like, whoa, OK, all right. <laughs> you know, this just got real. Yeah. Yeah. Dude just got bit in half. Yeah. And they're like guts hanging out of him. And this is pretty graphic. And this is uh, it's entertaining. I mean, it was an entertaining shark attack kind of movie. And the things that characters do for the most part, I'm sure if I really walk back and go, oh, well, you know, if you're in this, why did you do this? I'm sure we could pick it apart. But the fact is, is that like that sh- that makeshift shark cage moment that whole way that plays out, what I liked about that so much was in the, really the writing of that because the characters that that scene's happening with, let's just say the dynamic there would have been so easy to make into just straight up cliched melodrama, you know, just to have people fighting and yelling and they can't get along. And and in and, and like the character that chooses to be heroic and the way they, it was, there's a tragedy to it. I mean, it's not just, you know, typical melodramatic shenanigans that you might get in a lot of movies that that would do it that way so i liked the fact that the way the shark reacts to that scenario felt real to me like oh yeah i think actually probably because they wouldn't they wouldn't that that idea that you do get in frenzy and a lot of the other movies where it just seems like the sharks are hell-bent on getting human flesh and they no matter where it is you know they're going to keep getting it yes this movie slips into that a couple times with the way these jump out of the water although i was unsure of this the jumping sharks the ones that actually do jump out of the water is that just in south africa like the the southern part of africa or is that also australia do they also have those the air jaws yeah, thing yeah. I, yeah, I don't right. know if, i don't know but it's just stupid either way <laughs> like the <laughs> it's the i could have bought there was one scene how do I do this? So, there's one scene with like a crawl space. You know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, yes. Where I felt like, okay, right. that would have been the place to use it. Yes. That would have made sense. But the opening shot of the movie, the opening shark shot of the movie is so stupid. that And, and, it's, and it's a similar problem that they set up in Frenzy. You're making a shark so powerful that there's not a lot of places to go with it. And it also, then it undercuts later when you want the shark to not be quite as powerful, to be more subtle than uh, the danger not to be quite on that level. It's you've already seen it blow apart a solid object. And so it's hard to reel it back in from there. I would add the caveat that that would have theoretically been a totally different shark, right? Because we jump several months ahead based on some things that happen. And yes, but I'm just saying you're setting up your threat. You okay, know? I get and you. Okay. I think not only is it unbelievable, but it just looked bad. You know, it's made it harder for me to buy into it later. And then, and then the movie did better as it went on. Like I, you know, I mentioned the shot where the shark's going behind someone that had a lot of restraint and subtlety, and because of it was a lot scarier. You mm-hmm. know, and so um, that's all I'm saying. This is, I felt like the parts where they used the CGI, obviously. That was just another part where I thought it was really poorly done. And I think there was some animatronic shark 
too. If I, I at least that's the way I took it because there's a couple moments when in the, in the store specifically when the, when a shark's nose comes out of the and it looked real. So I mean, I, if it was CGI, it was excellent CGI, which then makes you think, well, what happened with the other parts? But it was it looked <laughs> real. Uh, to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they had at least part of a animatronic shark. I will say we should remember as we're dissing on the film for the CGI that, uh, you know, this was also conceived to be projected originally in 3D and 3D does soften that bad CGI look. The the CGI looks a lot better in 3D, I should say. And mm. Even that opening shot that I was talking about that I thought was so stupid as I think about that shot in 3D, I realize why it exists in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's meant to go in your get in your face. Right. Uh, did you guys catch that Russell McCahey wrote the original screenplay for this? And uh, if oh, it's, interesting. Yeah, and of course, if for that anyone, is interesting. Yeah, anyone listening, you know, if his name rings a bell, he directed Highlander, and an awesome. Uh, Aussie horror film called Razorback, which I'm I'm sure. Uh, yes, I have, love Razorback. Have you guys ever covered Absolutely. Razorback? That that be a that be a no. fun one to to cover at some point. I don't I don't think so. That would be that would be fun. Yeah, kill, killer killer boar giant boar movie. That's a great. Yeah, it's it's yes. awesome. So I mean, you know, he's he's been involved with a lot of stuff, and it was kind of neat to realize. Oh, you know, he's one of the one of the writers on this, and I think that's probably to some degree why. Not that the screenplay was going to you know win great awards or anything, but it did feel a little bit more sure and focused and like things felt way more cohesive. And and at the end, for me, this was a very watchably, just enjoyable, entertaining hour and a half. I mean, I really had a good time with this movie. That's great. I mean, yep. I'm happy. And I know you like action <laughs> a lot more than I yeah. do. So yeah, that's uh, that probably plays into it. Yeah. So uh, you guys got anything else you want to throw throw at this movie, Wolfman, before we we rate it and recommend it? Because I'm sure we're all going to recommend it. <laughs> no, I think it's uh, it's interesting. I thought it was a it was a fun watch. It was interesting to look at. Uh, IMDb does not have horror listed as one of its classifications, hmm. which surprises me because I think it is solidly a horror film. Oh yeah, uh, I'd argue way have, yeah, more than frenzy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This has it listed as action adventure drama. I would probably it has elements of all those, but I would say horror is high up there in the listings. Or at least thriller. Right. I mean that's that's surprising that they don't have at least one of those two. Yeah. <laughs> Wolfman, what is your rating and recommendation for bait? So bait I thought was a lot of fun. Um, as I mentioned, it has like a very schlocky B movie vibe to me. But I realized as we were talking, that's probably just that it's an action movie and I don't generally enjoy action movies, but it, but it, it's not, it doesn't feel low budget. It, as, as we've mentioned, it's got a pretty decent budget for its time and for the type of film it is. I think it's got a strong cast. Um, you know, it's a kind of a, not a great screenplay in my opinion, but it's, it's serviceable and I thought it was a fun movie. I gave the mega six. I can't give it lower than that. So I will give this one a 6.5 and I will say it's a strong rental recommendation. All right, Dave. Uh, I do agree about the CGI. I thought there was moments when it was a little bit weak, but, and I was wondering at one point if maybe there were a few too many characters, Mm -hmm. not that not that they had a problem balancing them i thought they did a good job balancing them you could tell you know you knew who everybody was 
but they were dealing with the garage. They were dealing, you know, with quite a few people up in the store. I'll tell you, there are too many characters for the shark to be hungry. That's all I'll say. Right. A, a shark can live like 15 days on about 60 pounds of flesh. So that sh- uh, those sharks are well full. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Movie. They're gorging. I'm going to give it a 7.5. And it's a high priority rental, definitely. Uh, and I think it's one that you may end up wanting to own. But I'm going to go with a high priority rental. Uh, so, yeah, for me, um, actually, I am right there with Dave. I ended up coming in at a 7.5, which I, I thought to myself, isn't that kind of what I gave Midsommar? Really? That's um, OK. We'll go with that. Or I, mean, I think I give that an eight. I think I went slightly higher <laughs> on a movie that is obviously, artistically speaking, far, far higher. However, I just had a good time with this movie. This this is a 7.5 rating that is purely out of just the enjoyment level uh, that I had. So I would say it is also a just a very high recommendation to rent. It is also, I think, for me, a purchase, especially if there's any extras. I would love getting this on Blu-ray if it has you know commentary or any kind of extras at all. I don't know if it does. I haven't checked. But uh, but definitely a high-priority rental. Uh, very cool. All right. So that wraps up our feature review for Bait. And now for a movie that uh, has certain... Similar thematic qualities, perhaps. But I have to talk to our listeners about our new sponsor, Stitcher Premium, which I'm super excited is supporting our show, and we hope you'll support them too. Everyone should be checking out Stitcher because you can use it for free, $0 a month, to stream and download any and all of your favorite podcasts. However, there is a premium monthly plan for $4.99 and a premium annual plan for $2.92, where you not only stream and download all your favorite podcasts, but you get 21,000 hours of premium podcasts, plus bonus episodes and archives, ad-free shows, 300-plus comedy albums, early access to new releases, and more. I'm going to take just a minute to talk about some of my favorite podcasts that are available on Stitcher Premium. How about How Did This Get Made? I know some of our listeners listen to that. Movie Podcast Network host William Rowan Jr. is a huge fan of that show, and it's one that I'm very familiar with as well. Their very latest episode is one to check out. It's Jaws 3D. Now, what these guys do is they take films that are usually roundly regarded as terrible, and they actually talk about some of the better aspects of them. It's three comedians having hilarious conversations and asking the question, how did this get made, of films such as Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. That episode features Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. And Van Helsing, this one also featuring Seth Rogen, and this time Ricky Lindholm, who of course horror fans will know from Last House on the Left, and Hell Baby. They talk about The Meg. They talk about Jack Frost. They riff on bad costumes, bizarre dialogue, strange acting choices. But they also take time to celebrate the weirdness of these films. And as they say in the old theme song anyway, try to not just be a hater, but try to figure out how these movies even exist. Or if you're looking for some new true crime shows to check out, you can check out True Crime Garage Off the Record, the latest project from True Crime Garage hosts Nick and Captain. Join them each week as they revisit some of the most haunting cases they've covered to date. This is a compilation of hidden treasures, a chance to dive deeper, discuss new theories, and get updates on your favorite podcast of the True Crime Garage. And as I mentioned with Stitcher Premium, you'll also get hundreds of hours of original content, early access to new releases, exclusive bonus episodes, archives, and so much more. And of course, our show, Horror Movie Podcast, is also available twice a month on Stitcher Premium. 
To get a free month trial of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code HMP. That's stitcherpremium.com and promo code HMP. Guys would really appreciate it if you could support us by checking out this free service. It costs you nothing and it helps us a lot. Awesome. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, do a feature review for Crawl 2019. The state of Florida has issued a Category 5 hurricane warning. All residents must evacuate immediately. Grab your families, your loved ones, and get out. Dad! We won't be able to come for you. Dad! I can distract them for you. You got this! Come on, you son of a bitch! So, one thing I just wanted to say before we get going on this review... It's not uncommon that one of us will have not seen the film and just get to listen in on the others, but... Today feels slightly more special to me because we recorded the rest of this episode several days ago and I was just at the beach with my family. I'm just having a good time. And I thought, you know what? It would be really fun to sit in and just listen to Dave and Joel review a movie. So I stopped at the store. I got some snacks. I got some, <laughs> some fresh poke and sushi. I don't know if nice. you guys don't really strike me as uh, raw fish guys. I mom. love sushi. Okay. I actually do too. I'm love okay, great. Love yeah. it. So we have to get you some Hawaiian poke. It's oh, that sounds good. it's where it's at. All right. So nice. I'm, I'm just gonna sit here. I've got so actually chocolate covered macadamia nuts. I'm all in on the right. Hawaiian food, and I'm going to just sit back, relax, and really enjoy myself as I listen to you guys review this movie. I am super excited about this. Okay, so Crawl is a horror film. Regardless of what IMDb says, is action adventure drama. It is a horror movie. From 2019, it's Paramount Pictures release. It tells the story of a college student played by, and I hope I don't mess her name up, Kaya Scodelario, who plays Haley. And she is a student at the University of Florida, the Gators, and she is a swimmer. She is on the swim team and she's there on scholarship, as we learn. And her father, played by Barry Pepper, who I feel like I have not seen in a very long time prior to this movie, but I digress, is living further south in the state. Now, I am in Florida, right? I'm in, I'm in central Florida. And they did a pretty good job about when they described how she had to get to where she had to get. I don't I think I feel like it would have taken her longer to get where she was going. But uh, that that's beside the point. So she travels down to find out why her older sister who lives in Boston is unable to contact her father. Something has happened. He's not the kind of guy that doesn't call you back. Um, we also learn along the way that they have a bit of an estrangement going on. There's some some drama there, some familial issues that are happening. And so she travels down to find her, uh, her father. And uh, when she does, she does in fact find him. 
It turns out that uh, there's a hurricane, a Category 5 hurricane, I probably need to make sure I lay that out, (laughs) that that is is encroaching on the state. It's headed right for them. And so hence her urgency to get down there and find out what's going on with her dad. And when she gets there, the hurricane is imminent. And it turns out that he is down in the crawl space of their former family home. And he's not alone. And I'll just put it that way. And if you've seen the trailers for this movie, you can pretty much guess what happens next. It is all kinds of crazy alligator shenanigans that ensue. So would you say that pretty much covers it, Dave? Did I leave anything out that you feel? I'm trying to do it without giving too many spoilers. No, I think that's great. I think that's a, the perfect synopsis. And, and that, that basically sets up, that sets it all up. Yes, it does. Now, I think you pretty much could synopsize this movie by saying Category 5 Hurricane lots of aggressive, hungry alligators and a couple people trapped in a house. That's the other way you could put it. But true. I, I, you know, I want to make sure I give you the full picture. Now, in this episode, we have covered some other movies and some of those movies we may not have been, you know, so gentle on. Uh, and they had things like flashback and they had a bit of familial drama and they had this sense of a strong female protagonist who we learn is a fighter and doesn't want to quit. I'm going to say, I'm going to just jump to the, to the, right to the chaser, guys. I'm going to cut to it. I freaking love this movie because this movie did all of those things for me so right that I, I'm just going to throw it down, Dave. I have no idea how you feel about this. I know you saw it today just like me. I love this movie so much at the moment. And maybe I was just high off of seeing it and it meeting all of my expectations and then exceeding them. It is at the moment my best movie of the year. I loved this wow. This is a Gilman Joel flick. Huh. I just, I loved it. And based on Dave's, huh, that doesn't wow. bode well. And so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm surprised. Um, you saying it's, it's the best movie for me, for me. Okay. I understand that. I mean, I think us is, you know, still my yeah. favorite. It's of the right year. there with us for And it's, it's like a completely different type of movie than us. It right? is. And it I, is, I think but, what it was, I had more, I loved us, but I had more overall fun with this movie. And and I can understand it because I loved it too. I absolutely did. I had a great time watching it. And, you know, when you go into these type of movies, you, you think, okay, check your brain at the door. Certain words that don't jump out uh, or you're not expecting to experience are suspense, drama, heart. It had heart. heart. Yes, exactly. And just relentlessness. Yes. I mean, it is relentless. Absolutely. The the film. And it it doesn't let you ever put your guard down. From the moment that she goes looking for her father, Mm -hmm. that's it. It's it's in high octane and it doesn't let up. And it maintains it. And I liked how they weaved the family drama in because a lot of times in these movies it's like well thank god this hurricane hit and the, and the alligator showed up so that these two can bond mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not this movie because it's it's handled in a way that it doesn't interfere with any of that because you get the feeling that these two were not at as much odds as you would originally think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going into it and and you get that when they're together so the drama part of it doesn't intrude it doesn't impede and it and it doesn't get in the way at all it's it's handled about as well as you can handle it in this kind of movie mm-hmm. and it's relentless because you just you just don't realize 
at first the real threat until it builds and builds and builds. And then you, you're like, wow, how is anybody going to make it out of this? Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it, for me, and I, I live in Florida, right? I'm, I have seen alligators almost, it seems a bit cliche, but almost on a daily basis. I mean, they're, they are everywhere where I'm at. So I've seen some big ones, mm-hmm. bigger than even the ones in this movie. Now, typically the big ones are really lumbering and slow. Now I, I haven't swam with them, so I don't want to find out, but Right. I, and I will say that I think a point of contention, Josh, especially as you pointed out with some of the shark movies we covered, that the behavior of these alligators is more in line with what one might think of a freshwater crocodile in Australia or Africa, maybe, because I'm mm. pretty confident these alligators don't actually get this full on like aggressive. However, it doesn't matter. Like the way the movie plays, you don't even really question. I didn't. I am just. I was so all in. I was on the edge of my seat. I feel like we might need a new rating system on the show, and it primarily will apply to me. I, I make no bones about it. I have the bladder of a very young child, apparently, and so if I drink anything before a movie, <laughs> I'm. I have to go out at some point. I timed it just right to where I had to go like in the first 10 minutes when they were setting up a little bit of the drama and she had just just about to got to her dad's house. So I I didn't because I, I knew it was going to build. I knew it was going to. And and then a little later on, it hit me again and I didn't care. Like, I, I feel like the rating system needs to be the radius of one's bladder to how late, how long you're let, willing to let it go <laughs> to get to the end credits. And I let it go. I went all the way. It was painful. I didn't care. It was. Uh, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. <laughs> and so my my wife went with me. She loved it. It's just a great nice. creature feature survival. You almost could say it's horror in the daylight too, in a way. I mean, there it's a hurricane going on, but right. presumably it's daytime. So it right. it just it hits all the right beats for me. I mean, I can't get over how much I love this movie. And maybe I'm just on the high of seeing it and it actually meeting and exceeding my expectations. That's possible. A week from now, I'll come up like, oh, okay, maybe I was a little hyperbolic, but I don't care. I was so excited to cover this with you tonight because. I just, I love us and I still love us and it will be, I will have mm-hmm. to review both of these again before the, we do an end of the year list for sure. But at the right, moment, right. at the moment, it's probably because I just saw it. I have not had this much fun and there's several movies I've had a lot of fun in and enjoyed, but this one specifically, I, I, I love it. I just love it. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I really did too. More than I was anticipating. Yes. How would you guys compare it to Bait? We talked about them maybe seeming similar just based on the trailer for Crawl, uh, which I, yes. by the way, turned off halfway through. Are there similarities or how would it compare? There, there are no real similarities. No. I didn't see. Other anyway. than people I, trapped in a in a area that's flooding with an animal that will kill them. Other than that. Right. That's Other than it. that, because uh, no, it's it's I was thinking the same thing as I was watching it, because, yes, when you see the trailer, that's the impression you get. But it turned out to not be the case at all. It's it's very different, at least um, at least as I saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bait is dealing with the after effects. It's still going on in crawl. Like the, the flooding is still happening to them. It's slowly building uh, to them, and then uh, something happens where it gets even worse. And and it it just it's that's why it's relentless. Mm-hmm. You know, Bait. You're trying to see people try to escape and try to deal with you know, the animal in in the water, this one, they're dealing with the animal in the water while the flooding is happening. And it just doesn't stop. Mm. It it doesn't stop. And Mm. that for me was the best thing about the movie, because you, you, you just couldn't, there was, 
you never felt there was any guarantee about anything. And there probably is when, when you look back on it, but you never thought anything was certain mm-hmm. as you were watching this film. And that was awesome. It was, it was handled really well. It had effective jump scares. Oh, it did, I mean, didn't it? It got more, me. Yeah. More than I would have thought. I mean. It never got annoying. No, it never got annoying. It, and they never reused Mm-mm. the same one twice. Mm-mm. It was just very clever and constructed really well. I was blown away by it also. I, I had a great time also. I think what really, wow. well, I think what really surprised me was the simplicity of the story. And Aja, the director, yes, which of course yes. I'm sure you know a lot of fans know from the Hills Have Eyes remakes, the uh, uh, High Tension. Okay, right. uh, full disclosure, and I think it's because a couple of his key movies came out around the time we were first having kids, and all of our kids are born like within less than three years of each other. I have not. This is my first Aja film. I've not seen any of his other movies. I didn't see the Hills oh, Have wow. Eyes remake. I love the I love the original Hills oh, Have wow. Eyes a lot. So I think mm-hmm. I may not have seen the remake under the guise of I was doing that. Well, screw them, make it a remake of one of my favorite uh, West Craig. And I know it's stupid. I should. I'm going to see it. Somewhere. Well, it, it, yes, and I think you should. And I've heard that. And, and I think it was you guys actually. actually. You guys, you're talking it up has made me want to see it. It's just I haven't mm-hmm. had the chance to. High tension. And high tension. Yeah. I know. I need to see. I unfortunately know the twist, and I think that was one of the reasons why I never really got around to it because somebody spoiled it for me pretty early on. Uh-huh. So, but but. Regardless, I, there's a couple of films that have intrigued me. I just haven't gotten to them. And this one, I know is probably by the standards of what those other movies are, may not even be as intense or brutal, but it is brutal. I mean, when it needs to be, oh, yeah. it is brutal. And it, it is. It, it, Absolutely. Yeah. And I will tell you, Josh, as I know you have a bit of a phobia of, of our scaly reptilian friends, it's going to it's going to mess you up. <laughs> it's going to severely yeah. give, it's oh, not going to help with that. It's if, not going to help with it at all. If if you didn't and for some people who didn't have a phobia, this is going to give them a phobia. Oh yeah. I have a major phobia. I I I think if I lived where you did, Joel, I would be on high tension alert at all times. <laughs> yes. I, just, I don't think I can handle it. I will be now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I was I was Thinking the other film that I kept thinking of was Don't Breathe when I saw the yes, trailer. That is a much better. You know what? Better mm-hmm. than comparing it to Bait is to compare it to Don't Breathe. Because I, when I left the oh, movie, really? because when I left yeah. the movie with my wife, I said, you know, she knows high level who Sam Raimi is because, you know, I'll talk him up with all, all the usual stuff. But I said, you, mm. you do realize, you know, Raimi produced Don't Breathe. And I said, and she goes, ah, and she loved Don't Breathe as well. And she's like, yes. She was like, I see that because it ha- there's a similar tone Mm-hmm. to to both and intensity like that's what it is that unrelenting you know oh my god oh my god oh my god and even though and, and i'm glad you said you yep. turned the trailer off halfway josh uh-huh good i'm so glad you did because that's why one and i'm sure everybody's listening to this probably has seen the trailer i wish i hadn't if i have one gripe it's that there was a couple of key things in that trailer that because you know you know what happens so therefore when they happen in the movie but this is i think also speaks to the movie i was still on the edge of my freaking seat I knew oh, nice. that this particular character was about to get it because it's in the trailer and it's still, I was like, oh, it's the way that it's the buildup. It's just, it's masterful. Right. There's no, it's like Spielbergian, early Spielberg. And the fact that I can watch Raiders over and over again, and I'm still engaged with that movie, even though I know how it's going to all play out. It's that same sort of thing where it's so masterfully edited. It's so one, you know, just put together in such a way that you are still on the edge of your seat, even though you know full well how this particular sequence is going to play out. I agree 100%. I saw the trailer uh, for Crawl and it didn't spoil anything for me. Like Joel said, edge of my seat, pretty much the whole movie. 
Think about how much better my experience is going to yeah, be. That's what I'm getting at. Yes. <laughs> if you haven't seen yes. it at all, you're going to be. <laughs> but this movie is, it's, it's the whole movie. It's, it's not just sections. I mean, yeah. even, even when they are having, playing out the, the, the little drama, not playing it out even really, just sort of dealing with it, 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 it doesn't lose anything. You know, it's not like, okay, well, let's rest for a minute so that these two can work out their issues. No, there's no resting. Mm-mm. They're working out right. their issues while all hell is breaking loose. And it's just tied in so well. That's what really gets me because you think, and, and they set it up early on. Yeah. The daughter and the, the father aren't talking and she's the one who's got to go down there. And, but it, it doesn't get in the way at all. It, it really doesn't. It, and, and if, if I'm sure there's CGI in this movie, I didn't notice anything that looked bad. No, there was only maybe one or two shots that I fluttered through my mind. Well, that, no doubt has to be, but there were many times where I was like, is, are they in there with like a real gator? I mean, right. <laughs> it looks right. like a real and large alligator the way Absolutely. this is playing out. And so uh, other than the Florida state gators, is there, is it specifically is an alligator and not a crocodile or how is no, that? They, it's gator? They're, they're definitely alligators. Crocodiles right. exist in Florida, but they're in the Everglades and they're notoriously very shy and aloof. They are the antithesis to what people imagine a crocodile being Then um, say like again, Australia or the ones you hear about in uh, certain parts of Africa. You know, it, it's not like that at all. It, it, the huh. crocodiles here and they're very, very small population. Alligators when they're breeding can get very aggressive. Uh, one time, we'll do, do a really brief campfire horror tale here. We have a park nearby called Lake Parker, and it, it's on the opposite side of town, but we used to live relatively close to it. It's a very large lake, and there are a decent amount of alligators. And during the breeding season, one time, we, we were walking along the path, and there's a point where the path goes right along the lake, and you're maybe, you know, it's like three feet of a shoulder off, and then you would be like into the lake, okay? And then another, 30 yards offshore are all these reeds and, and, you know, things. And it made me jump three feet in the air. I hear this loud guttural, just and this bull alligator comes shooting up out of the water. And he was a big guy, big, 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 big. And he just, and I don't know if something came close to like wherever they were all nesting or he was trying to get a mate and he was being interrupted. I don't know what was going on. But I grab, and my kids were still pretty young at that point. I'm like grabbing little hands and we were going. It, this is this park actually has a point where because the ground and the trail you're on dips down a little bit, it actually has a sign up at one point that says, Gator Crossing, hold all young children by the hand. <laughs> oh my gosh. So how, how can you even sleep at night? Like, it, I, uh, <laughs> well, I'm in my house. They don't have, they don't have my keys, you know. Yeah, but they, I see him at people's pools and under their porches right. and all kinds of crazy stuff. I wonder if this, did, did the story make it to you guys at all about, and it was literally a month or so ago, there was this older woman in some part of Florida, I think somewhat in the Tampa Bay area, who actually ended up one night, she was just smashing around in her house and she she actually comes out in in her kitchen is a eight or nine foot i think he was alligator it had actually had, she had these glass windows that were close to the ground level and it must have seen its reflection in the street lamp and went at it and smashed through got inside and was flailing around kicking i mean can you imagine walking out of your bedroom and into your kitchen no no, not at all. <laughs> so it does no. happen. It wow. does happen. That does happen theoretically. Jesus God. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the thing is, is like even in Alaska where there are bears and wolves, it's not like and you can't go just 
relax outside for a minute by by the lake. Like people, this is the crazy thing of Florida. People are paying so much money to live on the water at these lakes where it's like it's a death trap. I don't yeah. want to live anywhere near that That's lake. True. You can't yeah. even stand on the edge and admire the admire the view because you can. You, you, you just you just better you. watch out and better watch the the bubbles. Right there. How relaxing to watch the sunset. These people, we, we interviewed this guy in Miami area and he had like little, you know, lawn chairs out for him and his wife to watch the sunset right next to the water. And I just thought you could, I could never just relax. What if you dozed off? Uh, it's not, uh, I can't even, can't even handle well, it. The good news right, is Josh, honestly, unless you're a young child or a pet, you're probably okay. Well, I'm not I have, that I have got children and pets. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've so do I. That. I don't I maybe I'll be OK, but I don't want to lose a foot. Yeah, well, there is that. That is. A, yes, that's a very distinct possibility. Now, I will say one of the few criticisms that I think could Florida. be hurled. What would you say? Florida? Hashtag Florida. Or as Daryl likes to put it, Florida man, because there is that aspect of this movie, too, briefly. And the the thing <laughs> the thing is, is that a couple things happen to the characters and being that they are human beings, you could have that moment where you're like, would you actually still be moving if that happened to you? I will say, though, and I, yeah. don't, and I don't know, though, and, and I feel like that's the only if you're going to like nitpick. I really feel, though, the way this movie plays, honestly, while you're in it, you, I didn't think of it. I, I'm just like, just go, 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 go. I, <laughs> I didn't, you know, because I think that legitimately you could be bit by one of these things. And if it catches you just right, it's going to do some damage, which it does. But uh-huh. it's not necessarily going to end you. So it, it just all depends on angles and, and all sorts of stuff. So I, I was willing to buy that. And I think, you know, at the end of the day on paper, it's kind, I think, meant to be taken a little bit over the top but the way it plays it plays very realistic it's it's played straight this is not for jokes and I, I guess the thing I really came away from this movie is I cared about these characters even though we didn't get a ton about them really only about their key dynamic and the between the father and the daughter but you really believed I know I did I just really bought that relationship and she and Barry Pepper I think is a great actor she was fan freaking tastic yeah. She was. Oh, great. yeah. I I think the the chemistry between the two of them was was great. You care enough about him that you don't want to see anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and things do happen. So I don't want to give too much away, obviously. But you root for them. You really do root for them. Yes. Big time. I, I, I just can't. Honestly, I know it's hyperbolic, but when a movie hits me just right and I want to share my love and excitement for it. I will this movie work for everybody? Maybe not. The fact that I live in Florida, the fact that I've actually been through a few hurricanes, so I get it. I, I don't a category five, if we're being quite frank, is gonna do even more damage than this one presumably did. Although did Dave, did you recall did they actually say a cat five at some point in the movie? I don't re- I remember that in the trailer, but I don't remember hearing it in the movie. I don't remember hearing it in the movie either. Okay, so maybe they just play that up in the trailer. Really, it was a bad, it's a yeah. bad storm. But I, oh, I mean, it was and coming straight for them. Yeah, and I, I went through, uh, was it Irma a couple years ago? And that was, I think that was just at a cat too when it hit us and we're in, right in the center of the state. After that was over, I told my wife, uh, never again. Something even close to that comes here. We are hightailing it to Georgia, North Carolina or something. And we're going to ride it out up there because that was terrifying. 
It really was. Wow. It was honestly this. I went through in 2004. We had three hurricanes cross our part of the state, in, like just right over top of us within a two and a half month period. We had boom, boom, boom. It hadn't happened in like hundreds of years. And then this last one, though, Irma, that's the one I was legit scared. And then I know Michael that hit, was it last year, hit North uh, Florida. My sister is a police officer in Tallahassee, and she actually had to go over to, the, it's called Mexico Beach, and there's some other areas. And she had actually been married over there, which she, she basically texted me and said, it's all gone. It was wiped off the map. It was a cat. Wow. They ended up determining Michael Ooh. was a cat five, and it just, everything was gone. And so when a storm of that degree hits, it's more than just flooding, (laughs) you know, I mean, a lot of storms could be a rain event. I mean, obviously Katrina and, and, and all that kind of thing. So, um, and at one point they do make a comment about levees. And so I, I'd have to, I'd be curious to know exactly where they were supposed to be that they were, I mean, there are, I'm sure some areas that have that kind of thing, trying to prevent the, the, the oceans from coming encroaching in too much, but. Again, that's all that sort of nitpicky stuff that I guess if you really want to get down to it, you could go at, but. I had such a good time. It was so intense. I was, I just, I mean, my poor wife, I'm like squeezing like <laughs> like her hand through the whole thing and I'm just on the edge of my seat. I <laughs> loved this movie. I did. And and I think, you know, I again, I'm going to probably have to, well, I might not even have to, I want to re-watch us and this one before we get to any kind of end of the year list because at the moment, the battle is between those two to be my best movie of the year. I mean, and you know, obviously other movies are coming down the pike and you know, I'm sure there's a lot more from 2019 I need to watch before I make that list. I'm just saying knee-jerk reaction. That's how much I love this movie. I want to drive home Mm -hmm. the point that this is not quote-unquote just a killer alligator movie, right? Which is nothing wrong with that. I like, I like like Placid, which I was an alligator crocodile, I don't remember. But anyway. That was a a crocodile that somehow made its way into... uh, somewhere in new england yeah something, something like that I and i and i love that yeah. movie that movie's fun that movie's kind of like a fun yeah. campy thing this is not that like this is <laughs> so much more intense than even yeah, exactly that. this this is this is much this is different because that one it surprises you a few times and and then there's some there's some really you know amazing scenes with the crocodile but this one, yeah. well, and I've said it a few times now, it just doesn't, it doesn't let up. Exactly. There's no, there's no, hey, oh, good. Here's a, here's a, here's a scene we can take a breather. Yeah. No, if not you, at all. If you love a movie that's going to affect you emotionally and just be pure intensity. And if you have any kind of phobia of being stuck in a slowly flooding house with things that could easily tear you apart, this mm-hmm. movie is for you. Hands down. Yeah. Wow. Agreed. Can't wait. So, Dave, do you want to yeah. do ratings and recommendations here? Yeah, let's do it. We give it a um, five. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been going back and forth between 8.5 and 9. I think I'm going to go with a 9 uh, at this point because I've seen it. It's even more recent than you, mm-hmm. uh, Joe. You saw it a few hours before me. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with a 9. And okay. it's funny because I'm having a thunderstorm right now. There's lightning hitting all around and the rain's coming down really hard. So it's like the perfect sort of uh, atmosphere to even be talking about this movie. But yeah, nine. And it's one you definitely should see in the theater. And I'm I was uh, originally I was the only one in the theater. I had a private viewing that no nobody else showed up for the viewing um, or for that time when when Crawl was playing. And now at first I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. But now I think it's a damn shame. Yeah, me a too. Lot of, a I, lot more people yes. should, should be seeing this movie. Yeah, there was only a handful of people in my theater as well. And I, I turned to my wife and I was like, see, this is the problem. You know, that, well, I mean, it's Wednesday afternoon. As, yeah, and, and that's uh, that, uh, Wednesday afternoon. And for me, it was like 445, which is dinner time. 
But and I wasn't expecting, obviously, to be really packed. But I wasn't expecting to have a private showing either. I think it did pretty well. It looks like I'm just looking oh, at okay. IMDb. But it's it's number three at the box office behind Spider-Man and Toy Story. Both of those are in their you know second third week. So Crawl's actually the number one new film this oh, week. It only good. it only brought in twelve million, which is Oof. I mean, look, it's a lot of money, but it's yeah. not a ton for you know for that type of thing. It's been a slow week at the box office, but it doubled what yesterday did, which is that Beatles mm-hmm. uh, right. Film, so uh, you know, and got Lion King coming out next week, so that's going to blow everything out of the water, probably. But um, it's it's doing okay. What well, it right. did that it did that on a thirteen point five million budget too. So it basically got its budget back opening weekend or darn close yeah. to it. So, yeah, so right, that's, that's right. a great success. And yeah. that's just domestic, you know. Obviously, there's sure. overseas, and and uh, it's gonna it's gonna continue. And everybody listening should run absolutely out and support, support this movie. So so, and you also would say buy it, Dave. I assume. Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm going to be I'll be picking it up. Yeah. And I think that to me was the big tell of how much I love this movie. It comes back to rewatchability. I saw us twice in the theater. I'm going to try my darndest to see this again if I can in the theater. But I am absolutely going to own it. And like you, Dave, I've been fluctuating between a couple of ratings. However, I'm going to stay true to my heart. I realize there'll be someone out here will moan when I say this. I apologize in advance. But for me, this is a 10. Because I honestly, I can't come up with something. Ooh. I can't come up with something of that I didn't like. And it's like there's a part of me that right. came in to HMP with the you know, the rating system the way it was. And I used to think, you know what? To me, ten are like movies that I personally find to be classics. Movies that yeah. are on my top ten list. And if I reworked my top ten, list, sure. you know, would this be my top ten? I don't think it would make my overall of all time top ten. But it would be. It, it's a movie though that I could see myself rewatching like every summer. This would be just a fun kind of like Jaws. This is a fun right. summer horror movie that you would just and it's mm-hmm. going to be so much fun to watch this with different people. Like that is the thing I'm the most looking forward to. And I think though, even though I know it's going to happen because I did from the trailer, I'll still be engaged. That's why I know this is like yep. you know I. I fluctuate between 9.5 and 10, but I'm just going to say, screw it. I love this movie. It's a 10. Cool. And I'm, I'm, the, I'm the same as you. I'm looking forward to watching with other people just to see their reaction. Yes. That's going to be so much fun. It's great to have a creature feature that is this good, you yeah. know, because yeah. that's rare. You know, we, we love our big monster movies, our big animal movies as horror fans, but it's rare that they're actually quality films as well. You mentioned like Placid earlier. That's great that this is. A ten it, it out of ten. So sorry, you mentioned Kaya Scodelario. Did you thought she was pretty good? I hadn't loved her in the Maze Runner films that I have been subjected to. I was hoping they were going to get Jane Levy again because they've done such a good job in casting her and everything that they've produced lately. But uh, I, oh, I, she's, I, no, she was great. She, she was, was phenomenal to me. Oh, good. Oh, I, yeah. I. I I, I, I mean, I can't get over how good she was. Oh, um, great. And I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, I'm looking now. She was born in England. You never would have known that. I would have thought maybe no. she was native Floridian. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I there was there was nothing up that gave that away. And it was just she does a great job of conveying why she feels what she feels with her dad and the in the relationship there and the in the in the family dynamics and just the terror that she experiences. And like Dave said, she has to deal with all of that. She has to get across all that backstory while the horror is going on. 
and while mother nature is pounding down upon them. So there's not like you get any of those really quiet moments where everyone sits around for four or five, six minutes and, you know, has, you know, has a conversation. No, 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 no. I mean, they have those conversations, but usually it's while trying to make a tourniquet and trying to beat something away from them and, you know, not having right, yeah. flying through the window and, you know, the, 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 the levee just broke, you know, that kind of thing. So is it not just the creatures that are the threat here? The storm is also oh, continuing. Yes. Constant. Constant. Yes. Constant as a matter, threat. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it plays a major part yeah. in what, what would you say, Joel, about three quarters of the way through the yes. movie, something it, happens. And yes. yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it does. And, and, and again, they tie it all in so well. And I want to just commend, com, commend uh, uh, Aja on one other thing, his use of the geography of that space, both the crawl yes. space and the house and mm-hmm. the, and the way he foreshadows thing, you know, the, the Chekhov's gun scenario, it never, you know, so often in movies, the, you know, somebody, you know, the whole Chekhov's gun thing, which I know you guys are very familiar with that. I'm sure most of the listeners yeah, are. So that idea, it's now that I look back on it, it was there because they, they do kind of cue you in to keep. But he does it in such a subtle, clever way mm-hmm. that you don't think about it. You know what I mean? It's just, it all feels very organic to the yes. situation. It really did to me. I mean, there was very little that I came away going, OK, now, wait a minute. You know, I just no, I, yeah, I I didn't I didn't find any contrivances either. No, it just sort of like you said, it it just sort of flowed. And when it happened, you go, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, and even no, it's not. Oh, how convenient that's there. Yeah, and there there was and to that point, there's one time, and I wonder, Dave, if you'd be thinking the same thing. One time where there's something that a character finds, let's say, that is a help, and it's one of those things that you could do the whole. Well, how did that get there? You know, but. Considering where they're located, what they're located next to, things that had transpired before, the the way the floodwaters are going and, and the way things would float around, it's like, I was like, no, actually, I, I totally buy that that could be there. <laughs> you know what that I mean? it, could, that yeah. it could be there. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm the same way. And you mentioned about the, the, the space with the house. I'll even take it further. The space with just that surroundings, the surroundings outside that uh, yes. gas station across the oh, street. I love that. And the, what the swing set, there. the swing set, and the swing set, uh, the way he incorporates just that, that whole space it, I thought was, was great. The house definitely, but then the, the surrounding, just the, just the right outside the door surroundings. It was like someone bet Aja. Okay. Here's what you get. You get these six simple things and you now have to make the most suspenseful, intense movie, and you can't drop the ball. And he's like, I take your bet. And then he won because I right. swear he takes the most simple things, simple elements. And it's, it's the simplicity of the story. It's like, a, it's like Halloween in the simplicity of it. It's just, it's a just streamlined, just simple, direct, boom, edge of your seat, thriller, horror flick. Love it. Right. They've, they've taken they've taken a movie that normally you say, check your brain at the door and they've turned it into something a, a lot more special. Yeah, exactly. This is interesting, Joel. I'm reading. Um, so the film, the interiors for the film were shot on a soundstage in Belgrade, Serbia, hmm. but exteriors were shot in Tampa Bay. Oh, OK. Um, and it says that it was actually shot at a lake where a real body was found in the water uh, recently or some time ago. A 16-year-old body was found. Jarvis Delaford was found on July 4th, surrounded by alligators. Ooh. That's not surprising. There's another story, uh, actually Lake Parker again, but it was the opposite side. The side that I was on was where the playground and, and things are. Uh, the, the, oh, op- the, op- the opposite side of the lake where there's more residential property, 
the police, the story, this is the story. Uh, it was in the local papers. This was several years back. Supposedly, uh, cops were driving by middle of the night. They had heard some calls about a disturbance. They, you know, turned their spotlights around, you know, on the on the area, and they're they're looking. They're driving past, you know, the edge of the lake, and they're they're looking, and they see a completely naked man running around, and it turns out he was high on something. And again, as Daryl would say, Florida man, Florida man. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> and so, and so, but apparently they went to go get him, and before they could. The, the story goes, an 11 to 12 foot gator got him and literally grabbed oh him and they, they had to, re- they saved him. They actually wrestled him out of this gator. These cops jump in the water. Oh man. I'm thinking at that point, I'm like, they don't pay me enough. <laughs> they no don't way. pay me enough to jump after a 12 No foot. way. I and, agree. And I've seen some in this area that are pushing that size. So that wouldn't shock me. And I can't remember where I read it. Every time I think of Florida and I think of gators, a uh, story about these golfers, the one uh, they were getting to the 18th hole. The one guy was having a miserable day. He said, the hell that I'm not playing the 18th hole. I'm going back to the clubhouse. So he leaves. The other two guys finished the round. They go to the clubhouse. Guy's not there. They figure, OK, he went home. They leave. Find out a few hours later, nobody's seen this guy. Uh, turns out that the, the next day they found an alligator in some reeds uh, as you're as you're going past uh, this one area to get to the clubhouse. And inside the alligator was the missing golfer. Mm-hmm. When, and I mean, that's just a guy. That's just a guy walking back to the clubhouse in on in a resort. Well, you heard about the story from just a few years back, and it's unbelievably tragic. I can't even fathom this. But the parents that were, I think it was like, I can't remember what property it was, but it was somewhere in Central Florida uh, uh, to avoid any potential uh, lawsuits. Let's just say it may be a very well-known amusement park sort of area. Uh, and, and. What, their their young child right in front of them where there was not supposed to be any it jumped out got him and killed him ate him oh, right there in front goodness. of him. i mean That's i can't awful. even i can't even fathom that i can't even fathom mm, that. I, that i can't either i found this article the most floridian things about crawl <laughs> it's got a list here okay. um, let me let me hear them i'll embrace the okay. stereotypes let's go for it no no they're not as bad as i they're not as bad as i was hoping they would be <laughs> It says number seven, the crawl space, because mm-hmm. a lot of people were upset when the trailer came out that they were supposed to be in a basement. It says, rest assured, Florida doesn't have basements. Nope. This takes place in a crawl space. There are basements. So, They're rare. Uh, Actually, we stayed at a place near Daytona Beach uh, about a year or so ago, and it was a much older home. I think it was almost 100 years old, which was a whole creepy thing unto itself. It had a basement. So, And that was actually relatively close to the beach. It depends on where you're at. The part of Florida they were supposed to be in, though, it's it would be exceptionally rare for the obvious reasons of, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, under the water. Right. Level. <laughs> so, yeah, but it, crawl, it is a crawl space. It's a, it's a bigger crawl space, but it's a crawl space that they're in. Um, it says six, the use of gators as opposed to crocodiles, even though, of course, they do have crocodiles. Gators are quintessential Florida. Mm-hmm. Oh, they are. The hurricane, again, just the use of the hurricane and how that feels like Florida. But number four, I thought was even more interesting, the casual indifference to said hurricane. Yes, that is so true. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ultimately, until <laughs> Irma, that was totally us because we went through those three in 2004. And then there was another one like, a couple of years later, a year later. I can't remember which one, but it, it, we had. And, and growing up as a kid, we would get a lot of tropical storms, which are pretty close, you know, to like a Cat 1. But you get a Cat 1 hurricane, especially if you're in the middle of the state. By the time it gets you, it's a nasty rainstorm with some heavy wind. You stay inside as long as you're not outside 
say where some debris could hit you, you're fine. I mean, one of those hurricanes, I actually, it's before I had kids uh, and, and obviously was even more of an idiot than I am now. I went outside just to see what it felt like because this one was put, it was like strong category one. And I think it was the second one that maybe had gone through or first maybe was the first one that came through that season and i went outside we were in an apartment at the time and i went outside and kind of just went into it was like an open hallway and i just maybe went five to ten feet out and just like against the wall just to see what it but it it's intense I mean, even just at that level it's it's like wow yeah you could that's mother nature yeah. and then i went right back in i did not stay out very long so but yeah people will go out surfing and i mean they it gets crazy some people and then, and then of course uh in the keys i mean there, there are stories of people you know they're just hey we're gonna ride the storm out like no 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 please don't do that so it's mm. yeah the indifference is a legit thing yeah i wish it weren't but it is cool um it says Haley's dad. He's a quintessential Florida Floridian man. Yeah, it I got says, that vibe. I've worked with when back in the day when I worked some blue collar jobs. I've I worked with guys that he he reminded me of actually. Yeah, will not die. It says. Yeah, will will, will not die, and it just it, it's sort of like uh, I gotta say one. Yeah, go ahead. One one line that I did chuckle at a little bit, and I I don't know if I even want to give it away when she asked about the beard. Oh yeah, that was. I, mean, I, I thought, that, I thought that was. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because you wouldn't expect you wouldn't expect an answer like that from him. No, no. Even what we knew for, knew of him at that point, and that was only that wasn't even halfway through. Yeah, you wouldn't expect an answer no. like that from him. And, and that's the thing is that there are some moments of humor in the movie, but they're few and far between. But it never. Oh yeah. But it doesn't feel it, dour either. It's not a movie that so takes itself so serious. It's just a fun movie. I mean, right. I just had a blast. Right. So, uh, number two, the gas station looters. Yes. And th that was where uh -huh. I, when I made the comment about there was a Florida man vibe. They, they, that was the specific. They were my. That, that would be it. Yeah, yeah, that would be it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and they just said Haley herself is number one. So she's very a gritty survivalist heroine. Yeah. The most Flor Florida e thing in crawl. Well, and, and 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 I think what I do, and I realize it's very on the nose, but the fact the fact that it opens, and so it's literally the opening of the movie at the University of Florida, and she's on the swim team for the Gators. Right. I mean, come on, <laughs> it had to be that way. And I and I love that the University of Florida obviously went along with it and agreed to it. You know, the fact that they were willing to. I mean, I don't know that they shot it there, but the fact because they had they actually have their logo, and she's wearing the 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 sweater, and so. They yeah. obviously got permission on some level to do that. And the fact that they were cool with it was cool. I, I like that. All right. That's from the ringer.com if people are interested. But yes, but what you should right. be doing is seeing crawl, which I want to go watch again right now. I, I was hoping for kind of a shallows experience is probably what I was hoping it would be. Yeah, and it's yeah. But this uh, this was a little better for sh than shallows for me. But I like shallows. I was a big fan of that as well. I, I had a lot of fun with that movie, but I would put this I would put crawl above it. Yes. as And I liked shallows, but. Yes, equally, I would put this above it. And I think the key being that with Shallows, it goes some places that really do border on the absurd, whereas this movie always feels grounded. I don't think at any point that I can mm -hmm. come up with that I ever felt like, eh, other than, I mean, the trauma <laughs> happens to the people you might think, okay, would they really survive that? But beyond that, there's, right. there's not anything that requires 
you know, I don't know, like perfect timing or, you know, they're, they're trying to set a trap. It's literally just a, no, we got to survive screw traps, screw being clever. I mean, we, they do do some things to distract and, and try to, uh, uh, get out, but it's not, I don't know. It's, there's never that feeling like, you know, like, okay, if we can rig this thing to the thing, we'll, you know, do this. It's like, no, no, they're, they're just trying to get out. <laughs> That's all they're trying to do. <laughs> right. That is it. Right. Well, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think, um, you know, I don't know where your creature scale is yet, Joel. We haven't talked, you know, big animal movies enough yet between us to know, like, for me to judge where it might fall for me based on your scale. Like with Dave, there's always a little bit of that Dr. Schlock thing in there right now. Okay. I, I you know, there, I got to kind of like figure out where Dave's scale lines with mine or with Jay. <laughs> I was all, you know, off the chart when he was a, he was a beastly freak fan. So anything that had anything in the creepshire area, mm-hmm. you know, he yeah. was going to love. So uh, for me with you, that's, I'm still, and I, I suspect that maybe the audience is still kind of gauging in where their, uh, their creepshire scale is with regard to yours. Yeah. I, I, I love a good creature feature movie. I do. I don't think I'm going to just be, I'm not going to be the kind of person that just because it has, you know, creatures in it i'm going to you know be gaga over it necessarily um but when it's done right and i always go into one hoping you know i mean they had the trailer right. for uh, the new uh, 47 meters now movie i'm like you know i was like i looked at my wife i said okay i have a feeling it's gonna be probably cheesier than what we're about to see but it looks fun like you know that and i go in right. with that attitude um and you know and i can i can appreciate i can totally appreciate the schlock side of things as well but for me, you know, my, you know, it, it, it runs a gamut. I mean, I prefer when they're serious and intense like this or Jaws, things like that. But I love, I mean, Tremors, I freaking love that movie. Um, and so I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy movies like that as well. Um, I guess just over mm-hmm. time, I'll have to rate these and then I, we'll see if I, there's yeah, I, can't, I mean, yeah, it's just getting to know yeah. you, getting to know all about you. Yes, well, thank you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and who would have guessed, who would have guessed that the, uh, that the, pick of the of the episode on shark week would be a uh, alligator movie yeah well i I think while while i enjoyed on some level some of the uh, shark movies that we discussed Mm -hmm. uh bait yeah bait yeah bait was fun bait but i am i'll be honest with you comparatively speaking like i really enjoyed bait and and and, but this is like on a whole other level like bait to me it it is and i was glad it was i was glad it didn't have the similarities yes i really was yes for sure um. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I can't say enough about this movie. They, they they just need everybody needs to see it. Go support it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. So that was our feature review for Crawl. We hope you enjoyed it, and that brings us to the end of this Shark Attack episode. We hope you enjoyed it. So Wolfman, you want to tell everybody where they can find you online? Sure. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and. Letterbox at Icarus Arts, which is the name of my production company. I uh, like to interact with folks there. You can also find me in the comments at horrormoviepodcast.com. And we have <laughs> been saying this for a while, but we should be posting a new episode of the Universal Monsters cast pretty soon here. Eventually. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yes. Well, I will. I just wanted to pipe in and say that in everyone's defense, we're trying to orchestrate it with not just the three of us, but with a couple other stalwarts 
that that need to also participate. So it is a it's a scheduling thing when you're trying to get multiple uh, people's schedules to all line up, and you know we got people at yeah. all different parts of the world. You know, five people in three time zones. Yes, so. it, it is not it, right. it's yeah. not as easy as it sounds. It's not as easy as it sounds. So, Doctor Shock, where can they find you? DVDinfatuation.com at DVDinfatuation on Twitter, also on Facebook, Instagram, Letterbox where I am DCO shock HMP and also on other podcasts. that man. I got, I should change it. I just, I just, I just always forget. I, I can't remember <laughs> my damn, I can't remember my damn password. Every time I log in, I'm trying to remember my <laughs> password. Half the time it asks, half the time it doesn't. Uh, but I probably should change that. But right now you can find me as DCO shock. So, uh, <laughs> otherwise you're not going to find me. Uh, and also other podcasts, the Universal Monsters cast, which we've uh, we're, we're very close, as Josh says, to recording the next entry for the current season uh, for the Mummy. And also uh, the We Deal in Lead podcast. I'm sure there's another one of those coming sometime. And Land of the Creeps with uh, Greg Amortis, uh, Haddonfield Hatchet, uh, Bill Van Vagel, and a slew of other people. You find that at landofthecreeps.blogspot.com. Thank you very much. And I can be found at Universal Monsters Cast as well. And of course, Retro Movie Geek, where we review movies that are 20 years old or older. And we're sorry in advance. So be sure to check that out. And as a reminder, if you want to help support the show, then support our newest sponsor, Stitcher Premium. Be sure to get your free 30-day trial of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcherpremium.com and using the promo code HMP. That's stitcherpremium.com and use promo code HMP. It really does help us out a lot and it's free to you and it's actually a cool service. We have only advertised with companies we think our listeners would actually appreciate. So we do hope you check that out. And remember, we love reading and responding to your comments, so we hope you'll get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community. It's truly a great group of people. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at horrormoviepodcast.com, where you can find this and all 176 of our past episodes. You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Horror Movie Cast. If you'd like to support Horror Movie Podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. You can get your listener-designed HMP t-shirts at teespring.com slash stores slash horror movie cast. You can also become a patron of Movie Podcast Network for only $2.50 at patreon.com slash movie podcast network. We want to thank singer-songwriter Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. We also want to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for his arrangement and orchestration of Fred's original theme, which opens the show. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. Boom, son. Got it that time. And that's it for this episode. I was episode. going to say, that, that was some, there's some tension there. I was, I was, a little I was, bit. I was you were waiting. waiting here. I know. I was I, waiting. <laughs> it, took, it was focused like you've never seen. It was amazing. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. We hope you'll join us again for our next episode when we're covering either a Frankensteinian episode or proof that you'll either love me or hate me even more when we have my first official themed episode, Tiny Terrors. <laughs>
Thank you for joining us for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. On this episode of Horror Movie Podcast, it's time for our annual shark attack where we will talk. Should I say it less <laughs> less like a 1990 early 1990s video game? <laughs> I just, so they can actually understand what I'm saying. All right, let me fix that. <clears throat> I like it. Yeah, that's fine. Really, really hey, do, do you want me to go shark attack? <laughs> I like it. Okay, if you like, like it. I, I like, like it too. Yeah, okay. I think that's great. Okay, I'll go I like with. it as an exclamation point. <clears throat> okay, all right, ready? Jack attack! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did feel like The Meg was a pretty worthy uh, spiritual sequel to Deep Blue Sea. Hmm. So that's what I haven't seen yet. But Me either. I, I have not see seen a the trailer. Meg. Yep. I saw a trailer for it recently, and I said, you know... I haven't heard great things about it, but it looks very interesting. I give it a low priority rental, so it's not one okay. I was. <laughs> right. I right. think the the conflict I have with the Meg is I didn't see in the theater and I had intended to. And it seemed like the kind of movie that would greatly benefit from seeing it on the big screen. And so my fear is I'll watch it and be extraordinarily ho-hum about it because I'm watching it, you know, just on a regular TV. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm sure somebody out there will point out, no, it's still a fun movie, but. I just didn't find it fun. If, okay. If that, all right. People remember my review. I thought it was a little dull. But. Okay. Hmm. That's fair. Okay. From a whisper to a scream, which is the anthology film that Jeff Burr, his directorial debut, uh, also known as the offspring. Yes. The from 87 and wrong, 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 wrong offspring. He also produced uh, Fear of a Black Hat, which is a fantastic mockumentary by Rusty Cundieff, and another movie by Rusty Cundieff that I'm pretty sure is the reason why I recognize his name, which is Tales from the Hood, which I love. I love Tales from the Hood. Oh, Tales from the Hood. Nice. Yep, and he was also producer of yep. Minister Society. I mean, he's got some pretty strong credits. You know, I don't know if I told you guys this yet, but I did go swimming with sharks when I was in Fiji. We were staying in this little village, and uh, this guy took us out on his boat. And we, there was a resort on that island, but we were not staying at the resort. And we went out the same time the people from the resort did. And we went out to this reef, and it was beautiful. Um, but there was kind of like this little protected area where the bigger sharks, which were bull sharks, <clears throat> could not get into the reef through this area because they were just too big. But there were a lot of smaller reef sharks, white and black-tipped reef sharks. And so they're pretty small. And... Um, you know, we so much so that we let our kids uh, get in the water with them as well. And uh, we all hopped in the water with them. There was a guy. Now, this is typically really frowned upon in shark communities uh, feeding the shark. He was feeding them fish. Um, normally, like if people bait sharks around, let's say in, around Hawaii, where I'm at now, that's extremely frowned upon because then sharks start to look uh to humans for food and then that yeah. can get really dangerous really quickly in the area where we were at not only are there no people there but also there are only these little reef sharks that don't grow any bigger and uh, usually humans are feeding them several times a week so they deemed it safe enough but um we got in the water no instruction whatsoever given uh you know and uh right away this shark just swam so close to me i just reached my hand out and kind of grabbed its body with my hand and just kind of 
lightly pushed it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and after that happened, the guy on the boat's like, oh, yeah, uh, if a shark comes by you, keep your hands into your chest. Like, close up your fingers into a tight ball because they'll see your little fingers wiggling around and take a little bite. So, oh, um, good to know. Yeah, but yeah. I was but as Dave was describing this, the whole time I was imagining a big bull shark coming into that cove with us and Ooh. and running roughshod over us and then we had all these little sharks. It was I imagine it was somewhat like deep blue sea too and that way we had all these I mean there must have been a dozen little reef sharks swimming around us uh, in that cove yeah. and it was really cool. Yeah. That's nice. But, this movie has that thing that I know Dave you brought up numerous times where you can tell this was meant to be 3D where things are coming right. at the, you know, it's it doesn't quite have the crazy Ralph holding the eyeball at the camera, but it, it comes close a couple of times. So. And, and, and I never understood that because for me, one of the absolute coolest things about 3D is the depth mm-hmm. when the screen goes back. The stuff shooting at like I've been to so many. I went to like Space Hunter back in the 80s. They're shooting lasers at you. You can't even see it. And they're going straight <laughs> at the screen. It's too fast. You can't even see it. Yeah. Spears. All this stuff is are flying at the screen. And it's cool for about a second. But it's the depth. When, when it adds to the depth of the movie, I think is where 3D shows its strengths. When, yeah. when, the, when the screen goes back and you're looking at it in that way. I like that a lot better than the stuff flying off the screen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, by the way, love that you brought up a uh, Molly Ringwald starring sci-fi movie from the early 80s. Yes, Thank you for doing absolutely. that. absolutely. I, I paid to see that one in the theater, too. And, yeah. and boy, spaceship coming out of the screen in the first Ooh. five minutes. Look how amazing that is. 45 minutes in, me and my friends are watching a blurry screen because we can't take those damn glasses anymore. <laughs> well, you don't have that problem with bait because you didn't see it in 3D. Right. Yes, exactly. But it's interesting because on Facebook the other day, I noticed there's somebody who is still insisting Jaws is not a horror film. It happens. I feel mixed on that. Can I be honest with you? I feel like it's half and half. Like half of it is. The first half very much is. And the second half is this amazing adventure film. You know what I mean? It, get, it really does feel to me because I, I don't I and maybe it's just so many years removed from Jaws, but I, I think that Jaws, the we actually watched it a couple months back with our kids and the second half of it once they're on the orca and on the water I me mean, yeah you got it's intense and it's suspenseful as all get out but it that second half to me just plays like such an adventure film um that but the first half i mean you gotta that'd be yeah that's the first half of that movie is terrifying <laughs> i just think it's right. really limiting on what a horror film should or can be sure you know i think i think uh, for some reason horror fans have started to believe the horror just fits in a very small box and mm-hmm. it's always surprising to me what people are willing to and not willing to call horror mm-hmm. these days <laughs> like it's just like really like what look back at the history of horror cinema and horror tales in general it's it, it's a pretty wide umbrella yeah that's true, and honestly, so, yeah. honestly, it would, be, it would it would be like you know some some idiot saying that Alien is in a horror movie, and then realizing shortly thereafter that was a really stupid thing to say. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who would do that because that would be idiotic. But uh, Ooh, yeah, yes. yeah, that'll be a conversation for another day. So, bait. <laughs> That's right up there with buying. That's right up there with buying friends. Yeah, it was probably it was probably on par. It's pretty close. Right.